0: I all just right. called with that slide, man. <laughs> with the title.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, all right. We're podcasting. Um w- welcome to Well, there's your problem. Uh a very solemn podcast about engineering disasters where we're not gonna make any jokes at all. No, that's uh, all right. No, enough. no jokes. Zero. Zero jokes. You know I just realized? I didn't change the text from the goddamn news from the Joe Kennedy headline. That's probably fine. That's probably fine, yeah. Okay. Nobody's gonna,
2: nobody's gonna notice that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Liam, are
2: you saying that you forgot something <laughs> on the Never Forget episode? <laughs> oh
1: my god. You're supposed to have Am total I, recall. It's already Am I very happened?
3: quiet? How's that?
1: Uh, a little bit louder?
3: A little bit louder.
1: Uh that sounds good.
3: You sound good to me.
1: Yeah. Um... Not that, that I'm right. mad. <laughs> oh, buddy. No, you're quiet again.
3: I I am goddamn working on it, man.
1: Okay. Have you tried simply talking
3: into the microphone? <laughs> Maximum <laughs> gain. Maximum ah, gain. Okay.
1: Here we are. Right, should we start it's Should recording. we start slightly we sh- over? Start the re- recording. Okay. Well, we're, 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 I think we're, we're going good. Welcome to Where is Your Problem? It's a podcast about engineering disasters. Uh, today we're going to talk about an engineering disaster that we can't forget what it is. That's right. Yes. What is it? I forgot. Oh, but you can't forget.
2: Oh, but no, I did. You, you, you're supposed not to
0: do that. Don't, not forget. Some don't, disasters don't, you sometimes forget, other disasters
3: you never I'm, forget. Not, not allowed. <laughs>
1: not allowed to forget it's like imprinted on your memory with like a cattle brander you know it just <laughs> says 9 <Cattle 9/11>. <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> you're walking around some days you're like Lusitania disaster i don't i don't, even, I don't remember what that is and then yeah. the twin towers pop into your mind and you know you never forget that's
2: yes. right baby it's the 9-11 episode
1: yeah we're doing gonna do 9-11 today. We're really oh, don't, don't do. not get me
2: on any more lists by saying the phrase "We're going to do 9/11." <laughs> I'm.
1: I'm not going. What well, we, we. You can't do 9/11 because 9/11 has already been done. <laughs> <laughs> again, again, uh, I again. Believe a, I believe a September 11th happens every
0: year, Justin.
1: Yes. Well, up every year. I. I think the next 9/11 that happens, it'll be something other than the twin towers of the World Trade Center. Being hit by airplanes because there's only one of them now. <laughs> I mean, raising the cursed prospect of like, you know how you have
2: civil war reenactors and nine eleven reenactor. Oh my god!
1: I think the new tower would be a lot harder to take down. I'm going to be honest, and we will get wasn't into wasn't there that. that
3: guy that tried to fly a plane into like an office building in Florida in like October of two thousand
2: one? Yeah, it was I, like, like an IRS call... building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh
3: yeah, I remember that.
2: And he just, I think he killed one guy, one IRS guy in his office, who just got a Cessna through his window, um, and nobody else.
1: Turns out, big planes do more damage than small planes. Um, Hmm. We'll get to that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Anyway. uh, I'm Justin Rosniak, my pronouns are he, him, RK, go. Uh, I am Alice Kelly. my pronouns are she, and her.
3: I'm Liam Anderson, my pronouns are he, him, and And I'm I'm a
0: guest. Yes, we have a guest. Oh, yes. And I'm a guest. I'm Sean KB, and my pronouns are he, him.
2: And you're here from the Antifada, which is an excellent podcast that you should listen to.
0: Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I'm here from the Antifada, but I think I'm also here. You guys don't give your qualifications anymore, but I'm also here because... Yeah, I don't
2: have any, and it makes me, like, salty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Am I allowed to give my qualifications for oh, yeah, go Oh, yeah, knock yourself yes. out. All right. I'm not I'm not simply a podcaster. I'm a longtime rank and file union building tradesman and I work, you know, with big buildings, I work with uh, structural steel, I work with concrete, I work with all the sorts of materials that we're gonna be talking about in this episode, including nano thermite. <laughs> yeah, local yes.
2: control
3: demolition and allied trades three oh two. Yes, local local control is important. Local control is important. We can't outsource that demolition, man. NAFTA kills the demolition industry.
0: They want to send our buildings to China to be demoed. We
4: can't do <laughs> <laughs> home.
1: This is bloated on a barge with a big <laughs> crane. Away <laughs> <laughs> it goes. Before we talk about 9-11, we have to do the goddamn news. you can see I, I already forgot uh something in this yeah, episode that's right. which is this change changed news? the deck <laughs> yeah no cuz this, this was this was yesterday it works. <laughs> oh, excuse me this was last episode when we were talking about uh not not even last episode the episode before last when we were talking about joe kennedy um yeah so. and, and,
2: but now we are, we are bullying buses and we we're, we're body shaming them Specifically yeah. for having batteries
1: on them? I I think so, yeah. So uh, our local transit agency- Not officially agency. a
3: crack. Not officially a crack. You're an idiot. Yeah. Some <laughs> of idiots. You're an idiot.
0: It could be bullying works for these other top stories on the right here, like Pennsylvania unemployment rate drops to 10.3%. Hospitality and leisure are still suffering. Maybe those workers are getting bullied. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. There's not enough jobs in bullying right now. So bullying works by getting people to work. And they closed down the bullying factory. I, that's right.
1: I'm, I'm here with a bullying local uh, 103. <laughs> um, we are a union of bullies um, not affiliated with the police unions. We are workers. <laughs> <laughs> we work to ensure nerds get their swirlies as needed. <laughs> for too many years, the good jobs... The good lockers
0: have been sent down south and then overseas. We want to keep the lockers here at home so we can bully people and push them into those lockers in our hometown.
1: That's what you want to in a solidarity strike with you is the bullies union.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> just taking just absolutely taking some scabs and just like pushing them into a giant inflatable lockers. It's actually it's actually just
1: teamsters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they, they literally are the bullying human. That's true.
3: <laughs> Beat Scabby the Locker.
1: <laughs> so, uh, last uh, last year, Septa bought a bunch of battery powered buses. Right? Oh, they sure did. Um, mm. And they um, they decided to deploy them on former trolley bus routes. That's where they had electric buses that draw power from overhead lines. Mm. Right. Um, and they
3: spit on the graves. Yes.
1: Yes. And 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 what happened is apparently they had to take the buses out of service last February and didn't tell anyone, um, and because uh, all the frames cracked because the batteries are too heavy.
0: Inside
2: job. Nine uh, uh, yeah. eleven control demolition. Mm. Google yes. loose change scepter.
0: They they could have used lithium batteries, but instead they went with a much too heavy and bulky nanothermite battery. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Investigate SEPTA. What they could have used were the overhead lines.
3: The wires no, are already up, we don't even have to They put up some goddamn wires, <laughs> they're already
1: up. Couldn't this do is, that. This was just incredibly embarrassing that, like, they bought these new high-tech buses that use worse technology than what they already had. You know, it's more extractive, they need these big lithium batteries as opposed to just some copper wires over the street. And they broke just immediately. Like...
0: <laughs> Have you considered that perhaps the actual conspiracy is that they needed one more reason to overthrow governments in countries like Bolivia? Yeah,
2: hmm. that's right. Need to keep yeah. Janine Agnes in power.
1: So right. I'll, I'll bring that up in the next uh, board meeting. <laughs> 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 um. Anyway... That that was that was the goddamn news. We got a long episode today. We have to keep it short. <laughs> news. Yes. News so, you can use. I was quoted in that article. I was I, I forgot to mention that.
3: We're all very hmm. proud of you. You were moving local. on. Moving yeah. on.
1: <laughs> okay. We're moving on.
3: Yeah, that's right, motherfucker.
2: <laughs> St- starting here with uh the Retro World Trade Center.
1: Yes, actually. This was the world's largest office building for a while uh, Hudson Terminal in Lower Manhattan, right? This was on the site of the, uh, World Trade Center before the World Trade Center was there. Um, so this was just a big office building for the Hudson and Manhattan Railroad, um, it had, um, offices for the railroad, but mostly offices for other, um, businesses, because the railroad wasn't that big, because it just went from Newark, New Jersey to Lower Manhattan, right? Mm. Um, and this railroad connected three of the five big west shore of the Hudson Railroad terminals, those were Exchange Place, Pavonia, and Hoboken Terminal, and they went to Midtown and Downtown Manhattan, right, only Hoboken Terminal still in use. This railroad is now known as the Port Authority Trans-Hudson Railroad, or the PATH, right? Um. they'll kick to this
0: day. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! It's an outside transfer though, so it's I don't know. I I barely use the fucking thing. Plus, you'd have to go to Jersey.
1: Yeah, I've only used it like I think twice in my entire life.
3: It was it was I will say it was it was not a pleasant experience. uh, In the one time I took it with you,
1: well, I think that was more due to people and not the trains themselves. (laughs) No,
2: that was due (laughs) to the natural enemy of trains. Yes.
1: So, you know, Lower Manhattan in, um, the early 1910s, uh, this building was put up in 1909. Um, you know, Lower Manhattan, there's this tangled up mess of the Hudson and Manhattan Railroad, the Inner Borough Rapid Transit, the Brooklyn Manhattan Transit, and the Independent Subways, right? And this is why Lower Manhattan real estate was very valuable. This is where the first skyscrapers show up. They eventually spread to Midtown, right? Um, and once Midtown becomes more valuable, the New York City Tunnel Authority was created, right? And that's to bring more people from Jersey into New York City. Always a bad idea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was, you would think this is a Robert Moses thing, but it was not. This was from, this was headed by an angry old Norwegian man named Mm. Ole Singstad. Oh wow. Well am I allowed to use the S slur on this show? Uh, what the fuck is
0: the S slur? Uh Okay, I'll say it quietly and gently. Squarehead. <laughs> 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 I, you, you, I mean, I work in the New York City building trade. Some of our unions, some of our locals were founded by squareheads back in the day. Some of them, up until like 30, 40 years ago, you could barely be an Italian, you know, let alone an Irishman and be in some of these locals because it was all Norwegians, all Finns, blah, blah, blah. All yeah,
2: couldn't get made because you weren't full Swedish chef. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they 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 uh they had to measure your head and and make sure it was uh square enough. Inga dinga that. <laughs>
1: yeah, Lee Erickson but... Day is a big big uh, celebration. <laughs> That's the thing out here in Philly. Lee Erickson Day it just uh, brings out the Nazis. Um yeah, mm-hmm. there's no
3: statue gets pushed into the river. Uh,
0: yeah, there's one true. stretch of the uh in between the where the BQE turns into the Belt Parkway called Leaf Ericsson uh way or yeah, Leif Ericsson Way. And that's because it used to be Little Norway, little Scandinavia in Brooklyn.
1: Oh so right, because like Robert left. Moses, that was like yeah. one of the first highways he drove through an ethnic neighborhood. That's right. And it was the Swedes <laughs> got it. <laughs> yeah, the Swedes got it first. Oh the God. canary in the coal mine. Yeah. So, always Singstad, he got to work in the 1930s, He his authority built the Holland Tunnel, the Lincoln Tunnel, the Queens Midtown Tunnel, and he got through half of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel before <laughs> Robert Moses managed to fire him, because he didn't want anyone building anything that wasn't with Robert Moses' express permission. Big uh, as fuck. They hated each other. Uh, Singstad and Moses. Um Probably not the least because Moses drove like uh, a uh, the highway through the, the Swedish neighborhood.
0: <laughs> Robert Moses famously um, insensitive to sure. urban residents needs. It, it turns out he was kind of racist.
2: Yeah. I'm learning so much though, that he was racist against- I didn't even know Leif Erickson Day was a thing, I thought you were doing a bit about Columbus Day, and I was no. like, oh that's a good joke, but no, it's a real thing. Yeah, yes, we
1: really is. have Leif Erickson Day, yes. I know this is
3: crazy to you, person who lives in uh, the United Kingdom, but there are <clears> actually <throat> places outside of the Commonwealth, I know. Yeah, but
2: like it's right. not that it's not that there are pe- people like places outside of it, it's that anyone takes Scandinavians seriously. Oh,
3: come <laughs> on, sobs are nice. That's I that. don't mind Gravlocks. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like the, it. Actually. The Swedes have produced Snoos, the greatest tobacco products known to man. That's right. Uh, shameless, shameless plug for buysnus.com, who I can no longer buy from, but who continue to send me about 10 emails a day. And they mean it when they say overnight shipping, folks.
1: Hmm. <laughs> They're better at social democracy than anyone else, but you know, that's because of the oil. Oh. Um, but
3: you get to keep all the your good American racism. Ah, uh, this is true, yeah. <laughs> if you like your racism, you can
2: keep it. Uh, if, <laughs> if you really want to fly a confederate flag in Europe, the place to
3: go is Scandinavia. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so fucking weird, man, to see, like, Like, obviously, like, I, and I understand that all Europeans basically are dumb as hell. That's right. It's a war against the whole continent now, baby. Uh, (laughs) That, like, we'll use like Confederate flags as stand ins for like Nazi and, you know, other sort of super nationalist flags. I'm Mm -hmm. just like, yes. Okay. So we need to ban it. And I, I'm not a big fan of federal government overreach, but I personally would support a law. And if you're flying a Confederate flag on your private property, you just get shot. Like like the National Guard comes in and just shoots you. Did you you, Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead, Sean.
0: Oh no. Uh Liam, did you see online that there's an account that's pushing the uh Scots-Irish Trump movement that's putting Confederate flags next to the Ulster flag?
3: I did see that. Uh, And it's like, yeah, yeah, they're this uh, what corporate needs you to tell the difference between these two images, they're the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. It's always so fucking weird when you see like an Irish Protestant in the wild, and you're just like, "Oh right, you 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 dumb assholes actually exist." <laughs>
0: <laughs> you Ian Paisley looking motherfucker, you. All right. Like, I hear a siren in the back.
1: Yes, that if was I'm the there. police coming to get me. <laughs> For um,
0: your, flag, your flag, you're flying. Yeah, exactly. We Does we I once
3: flew a Gadsden flag, and someone just took it. But it was also, like, right before Trump got elected, so I was like, I, I'm i just so mad that the, the fucking, like, shud conservatives took the don't tread on me flag. Mm. Like what, that What you should've genuinely had. pisses me off, I have the naval jack version. Yeah, what you, what you should've had was the come and take it flag, because
2: then you couldn't have been mad that someone did, in fact, come and take it. Ross has already made that joke to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is true. You're late, Alice. <laughs> You're late, Alice. <laughs> yeah, a- well, you also have a come and take it flag.
3: Yes, I do. Yeah. It's all his flag. Like. I like flags. Has anybody yeah, told think- like public chuds. No, I just don't know where it is. It's, <laughs> it's a challenge, challenge to the listener: Take Liam's flag. Yeah, no, it's hard you, to we do. Were were talking, it, you lost. It. We, were talking, we were talking earlier about parasocial relationships and how, like, we like active, dis- like, if you come and try and jump our fence, you'll be shot. I will add to that though. <laughs> if you try and jump the fence, but you manage to take the flag, you will be allowed to proceed without being shot. This is like, <laughs> this is like
0: the most dangerous game with more steps.
3: You know what? I get bored, Sean. I yeah. bored. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I sit and I look at the, the, U- the Ukrainian Orthodox Church across the street from me all day. And I just think to myself, why couldn't you just be Catholic?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like the anti-Azov battalion front.
1: The effect of these tunnels was to make midtown Manhattan real estate easier to access from the Jersey suburbs by car than downtown, right? Uh, Since your suburban commuters could drive in more easily, and also like the big rail terminals were there that were in Manhattan, like Penn Station and Grand Central, right? So... By the 1940s, downtown Manhattan had started to get real cheap, right? Companies started moving out. There were a lot of vacant office buildings. There's not a lot of restaurants, cultural amenities. The whole place looked like a ghost town after five o'clock, right? So the idea is, how do we revitalize this area? Um, And what the New York City government came up with was more office space. They start thinking about building a world trade center, right? A World
3: Trade Center?
1: Yes. (laughs) Crazy. So there's lots of World Trade Centers out there, right? What's a World Trade Center? It's a fancy office building which has paid for a license to call itself a World Trade Center. From the World Trade Center's Association. Wait, that's
2: actually like a protected term? Yes. That
1: was
0: one that honestly blew my mind. You can't just slap up a World Trade Center sign. What
3: are they going to fucking do? Well, the other thing is, what's the benefit of calling yourself, like, why not just Trade Center or like one trade center? It's
2: a brand, a brand that is now forever associated with a horrific act of terrorism. I mean, who doesn't
0: love that? People don't think that the World Trade Center has power, but, uh, you know, if you if you fuck around, you might find out they might send you one of those memes that Saudi Arabia sent to Canada. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are we, are we yeah. saying here
2: that the World Trade Center Association did 9-11? <laughs> I
3: like the idea, actually, that, like, unlicensed World Trade Center, just, like, <laughs> the crack team of World Trade Center organization lawyers and operatives just comes in, doesn't do, like, a bombing campaign, but, like, what the Mossad did after the Munich massacre, like that sort of thing, for 14 years, they're just like shooting building supers in the streets. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you open a bootleg
2: World Trade Center, sleep with one eye open.
0: Wake up and up with a horse head in your bed. <laughs> but it's you a just horse head with a country, right? globe.
1: A bloody globe. So, like, there's a World Trade Center in Boston. There's a World Trade Center in Montreal, which oh, is course, these look called like moles. moles. Centre de Commerce
3: Mondial. Yes. What about? Hey, what if, I noticed you didn't mention the Baltimore one. You, uh, you, you're too good. You're I, too good for the Baltimore one? Well, no, it look
1: I, I wanted to see it. You know,
3: it looks horrible. It truly does. It's honestly one of my favorite buildings in Baltimore because it's just so goddamn ugly. <laughs>
1: Well, I got, I got the Dallas one because I think it's the most ominous right up here. Yeah, it looks like
3: an oh, NSA building.
1: Another one is the Ronald Reagan oh, yeah, building a, that's in that's Washington, the one you D.C. Get to. A good food court. It has a good food court. does have a good food court, the Ronald Reagan building. Uh, um, you just
3: got a <laughs> million jelly beans. Yes, yeah. <laughs> You're going to have ketchup and it
0: counts as uh, a <laughs> vegetable. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's actually kind of a weird way that the World Trade Center's Association was formed. So. The first World Trade Center was in New Orleans, actually. Also, huh?
0: I love that shit. Yeah, uh, also yeah. sure.
1: And this was emerged from a series of simple concepts, right? So someone realized people like to make money by buying and selling commodities, right? Uh, oh. But also, <laughs> people like daiquiris. That is true. You don't
3: like daiquiris.
1: I've never had a daiquiri, actually. I I, I, had a tried daiquiri. To, I
3: tried to give you a daiquiri once, and you just yelled at me. You weren't even coherent. You were just no. I rum throw up. That was the sentence I got out of <laughs> you.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I was like, I've had too much to drink, and rum does nothing good to me. Um, I,
3: I will say, I was in New Orleans. When were we in New Orleans? Last last April, apparently. I. And I just, I followed in the footsteps of my dad in New Orleans, where I was just like, ah, 7 fucking AM, Bloody Mary, baby. Like, that's, yes. it's so good to like watch joggers and people coming home from the bars, not to the bars, from the bars at like the same time, just waving to each other. Yeah, but, but did, when you, did, did you just like buy and like, sell commodities? I, I would
0: last like six months there in New Orleans if I lived there.
3: I, I, I thought that. I was just like, it's like, I'm I'm a pretty heavy drinker. You know, I'm a good Irish boy. And uh, and like uh, people there are like frighteningly drunk all the time. But in the way, like an SEC strength coach gets fucked up and you're just like, man, what happened? Like, where are you? Like, what is going on? It's just like, yeah, it's like 11 a.m. And there's like these 55 year old like Mississippi dudes in like windbreakers, just the drunkest they've ever been mm-hmm. outside like a hotel bar. and I'm just like, yep. Uh, I can't, can't keep up here. Also,
2: like you've got to add in the food, right? So, like, even oh, if the yeah. booze doesn't kill you, uh, you, you will find yourself like eating gumbo at five in the morning, yeah, and you will just die that way. way. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, just,
0: I have a question for you. Yes, is the World Trade Center in New Orleans the same as the World Trademark owned by Clay Shaw? Um. Oh shit! That's says, a I good question. Get into conspiracism here on this nine eleven episode. Triangulation but. fun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so there was an international trademark, which okay. started in New Orleans, right? Okay, that might and, be what I'm thinking. And there was within an accompanying uh, international house hotel, right? And that started actually before World War II. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, this so, was sort okay, of the
2: the, the the World Trade Center Association did not do nine eleven, but
0: they did kill JFK. <laughs> yes, they sent their operators down to Dallas.
1: So this <laughs> this building actually opened in nineteen sixty eight, one year before the World Trade Center in New York City, um, and that's where the International Trade moved to, right? Um, and you're basically, your idea here is if you wanted to do trade with the United States, you know, your World Trade Center or your International Trade Mart had a bunch of resources to assist you in doing trade, right? And you could also come to New Orleans to do it and drink daiquiris. Um, much better than buying steel from Toledo, you come to New Orleans and buy the steel and then get drunk.
4: Mm.
2: And both the steel guy and you get to drink the daiquiris. That's better yes. for everybody. Exactly. Okay. So we, we, we take that that thing of like New Orleans, a place where people like to go, uh, which has good drinks and good weather. And then we apply that to lower so, Manhattan.
1: Yes. Uh, which has neither
4: which of, those those <laughs> of those there things. Are,
3: there, are, there are, like, my favorite thing is like the few bars in New York left that are good. Mm. Are you, it's just like, none of them are in Lower Manhattan, notably. Yeah, no. Not. Yeah. Tempest Bar. Tempest Bar. New York City, baby. Their webpage is one page, and it's them complaining about other bars.
1: You have <laughs> right to, because it's really good. There's no one there. It's cheap. It's right next to Penn Station, so you can get fucked up before your last train out. It's fantastic. Unless you um, miss the
3: train, in which case bad things happen. Well, to you. we
1: did do that. Um, you no, know,
3: we did. Um, know, did we? Oh, well, we did. We did. Yeah. There's
0: the Patriot Bar downstairs, or downtown rather. That's a oh, good that's type place, but it's I'm, also got some pretty, pretty bad
3: clientele. This is all kinds I'm st- of I'm Stunned. I'm stunned that the clientele at the Patriot Bar is bad. Shot.
0: I mean, people like me. Like dirty, up, <laughs> up,
3: yeah, up, yeah, you do not job, attempt like to you. form a parasocial relationship with any of us.
2: Do not come to these bars. Once, you once will the, be uh, shocked.
0: Let uh, listeners away.
1: When, when, once the DSA moved out of Lower Manhattan, the Antifada crowd moved in.
0: <laughs> the vanguard of gentrification.
1: Yeah, the DSA was actually headquartered in Lower Manhattan for most of its existence. That right. Yeah, Barbarian Reich and all that?
3: The Yippie Museum uh, was there, too, I think. I don't know where it is now.
1: Hmm. And part of that is because of the World Trade Center. There's so much goddamn office space, it actually kept rents low. (laughs) Enough for, like, a socialist organization to rent office space there. There was uh, an anarchist group that has um, an entire
0: loft down in uh, lower Manhattan, not, not far from Zuccotti Park, and a lot of the Organizing and sign making and stuff for Occupy Wall Street happened in this giant industrial loft, like in right by Wall Street, because it's so fucking cheap you can afford it. Jesus. Mm.
2: <laughs> well, like, th- this is the same thing is happening in London right now where we in Trash Each are looking for uh, office space for our studio. And, like, it's entirely oh, plausible. Look at this
3: girl with office space? <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> right? Office but space. It turns out, well, as ridiculous as London, that yeah, sounds, now
2: that now that the economy has imploded, you can get that for nothing. The shard is entirely empty, and they're just begging you to like fill you space
0: up in the
1: shard. Holy! That's shit. what I'm saying. No, yes. I would go with the gherkin.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely go with the gherkin. I, 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 you you want a guest on the show? Sure. Our address: the
0: giant penis building. Yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, I started the trash future building
1: Yeah, that's Uh, right. For naming rights. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Look, if Trump can do it, we can do it. I can't wait to eat Trash Future steaks at the restaurant.
2: (laughs) Do you want to spend $88 on a Trash Future branded necktie? Of course you do.
3: I honestly, I honestly would. I would too. Don't don't love that it's eighty-eight dollars. I'll tell you that, Alice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Make it a patron goal or something.
2: Yeah, on the back we've got sewn in "Made in America" with air quotes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) America with three Ks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
3: man.
0: Just get a bunch of like unemployed gig workers and buy and get some really cheap office space in downtown Manhattan to make the ties there.
1: Uh, maybe we can make re- some shirtways. We're going to the uh, textile mills. Yes, uh, we're going to we're at triangle Shirtwaist too. Um, <laughs> but <the> triangle <laughs> is the a, a trash future logo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, unlike the international trademark in New Orleans, the World Trade Center in New York was not it was going to not only not feature daiquiris, it was also going to be publicly financed, right? Oh. David Rockefeller, who was president of Chase Manhattan Bank, yeah. he, uh, he went in with the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey to Big build, uh, yeah, to build the World Trade Center in Lower Manhattan. Right, there were a couple sites that were considered, but what eventually they settled on was on top of the H and M's uh, Hudson Terminal. Right. This was sort of towards the tail end of the massive expansion of public authorities' powers, which were sort of pioneered by Robert Moses, but Robert Moses was not directly involved with this project. And you know, they want to do this big revitalization project. And World Trade Center was supposed to be ten million square feet of office space, right? It's 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 just they're going to build a shitload of offices, and this is going to cause office space to be more desirable, right? <laughs>
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Famously, oh, yeah. when you increase supply, you also <laughs> increase demand.
3: Yes. Yes, that does work for highways. It does not work for
0: office space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, it was Robert Moses who was confused about that. <laughs>
3: All so, oh, the idea of Robert Moses just like being like, "All oh, we're gonna build the World Trade Center. We're gonna put a highway through it." You guys are remember that <laughs> hotel in Disney World where the monorail goes right through the basement? Yeah, that's exactly what we're gonna do. That was, was a real plan. A bunch of times that fucking what was a real that, what? <laughs> that was a real plan. There was that's supposed right. to be a Lower
1: Midtown Manhattan
0: Expressway. Oh yeah, the
1: lower Manhattan, but also the Midtown Highway, which mm-hmm. never got His built. Christ almighty. Just yeah, two be a freeways
2: fast. just going through it at different angles at different heights, circling back around and like curving through you, both
1: towers. You guys yeah. ever
3: been to a Triple Crossing in Richmond. It's like that. But uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> you die. You just die. The 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 midtown one was supposed to be built uh at a height of a hundred feet through the uh <laughs> On about thirty fourth well, Street, what I think. Power <laughs> uh, Broker <laughs> so, has the renderings
0: of it in there, and it was it would have been an unmitigated fucking disaster.
2: So oh, it's uh, the crazy. second of our candidates to possibly do nine eleven after the World Trade Center Association is Rob Moses with a freeway. <laughs> 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 a second freeway is hit the
3: towers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: I, I can't <laughs> wait.
3: I cannot wait for the comments on that.
4: Jesus Christ.
3: <laughs> I don't even want to think about it.
4: <laughs>
3: oh. the same shit as always. Don't get mad at us. People are making a <laughs> podcast about it. Nineteen years later, get mad at the government that choked, and get mad at uh, terrorism. Yes, <clears throat> we didn't do anything. We're just here making jokes. Simply get mad at the Saudi government.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and Bush. You can get mad at and Bush. Bush. Yeah. You can get mad at Bush and H W Bush and clinton actually yeah clinton, yeah it's uh, yeah. an idea
4: get, and, mad, at right get, get yes, mad at the
0: yeah. president get mad at the system that creates these presidents get mad at the political economy that system that creates the united states just get mad but don't yep. get mad at us that's right Please.
3: yeah that's actually that's basically how i feel about it like people you know whatever the respectability concern bullshit trolling <laughs> But like, also, like, yeah, I'm not the fucking one that threw a that, that flew a plane into the World Trade Center, man. I'm just an <laughs> asshole in a hotel room in Portland, Maine, with like <laughs> drinking a Narragansett hard tea, which, by the way, Roz is disgusting.
4: Uh, <laughs> and w- yeah, would you say I,
2: it's I, likely to be better or worse than the dark fruit cider I
3: had last time? It's so the the one thing I could say in Twisted Tea's favor is that it's not carbonated this shit is carbonated more than, like, a, a soda. Oh. So I'm trying to, like, choke down that, like, schoolyard iced tea, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also been carved with an inch of its life. That's and uh, Not feeling it. No.
1: Okay, so, the government's just going to build a huge fucking office building with the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, which is sort of quasi-government agency which has some powers of government, but some powers of a private corporation. It's confusing and irritating we're not going to go into it right now but
0: importantly importantly they can leverage the income that they get in order to float bonds in order to get more and more money so they can build and build and build
1: yes which damn i wish they would still do that um yeah. <laughs> they did a good job for a while with that yeah i know they were doing very well robert moses perfected that um you know the the the, the, the trick was to keep yourself in debt to the extent that you had an excuse to float more bonds but mm-hmm. not in debt so much that those were a financial burden. You had to have a nice balance. Um, and all
0: those <laughs> little nickels falling into those toll machines on the Triborough Bridge, they added up. And then if you fucking leverage those, those uh, nickels, then it turns into a lot of fucking money. And then you create six or seven or eight or 10 or 12 different authorities that are all getting different incomes that are all floating different bonds. And you could fuck up an entire city that way. The oh, entire yeah. metropolitan area. Uh, first, the behold.
2: Swedes, then the Norwegians, yeah. then the Finns, and you just go yeah. from there.
1: Well, I think the who do you fuck up after the Swedes? I think it was the Jews after that. Mosul. Yeah, and the broadest oh, broad, broad, broad. expressway. Yeah. But Port Authority is outside of Moses's control to a large extent. Um, and I think by this time, Moses was kind of on his way out. Uh, But yeah, the government was just going to, the Port Authority was just going to build a huge office building and lease it, right? A lot of people thought this was a dumb idea at the time, you know, kind of because it was. Um, (laughs) This is just, you know, the government nakedly getting into leasing office space, you know, as supposedly as, um, you know, revitalization, but you would figure you'd build something that had more of a public purpose, like, I don't know, housing or something, yeah, no, this is a
0: weird a- definition of infrastructure here. Yeah, exactly. You telling
2: me that like Cantor Fitzgerald and their like three hundred Rodan casts aren't a public good? Okay, <laughs> yeah. you you can't just wander in off the street and see the Rodans, but they're up there, and knowing that they're up there, that's a public good.
1: Yeah. Um, now there was at least some public purpose to this. As part of this deal, the Hudson and Manhattan Railroad would be owned by the Port Authority it's how they renamed it path right and they were going to construct a new uh, railroad terminal underneath which would be more efficient than the one that existed beforehand right but that was about the limit of the public benefit here otherwise it's just like yeah we're going to build a big office building and say this is good government right here hmm it's fine it's got a train station sort of yeah there you go that's why we need to talk about um Sean had a bit about co-op city and construction in the 70s
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Like Before I get into this massive project that happened at exactly the same time as the World Trade Center is coming together, people have to realize that New York City through the 60s and all the way up to like 1974 was basically like a municipal social democracy, which is why it sounds crazy for the Port Authority of New York to be like, to be creating an entire complex of office buildings, even to lease out in order to bring business back to lower Manhattan, but there were like public hospitals. There was a free public university. There was um, a whole municipal like welfare system that existed. So this happens like alongside that. This is part of the post-war New York City social democratic polity, as they call it, which comes to a a screeching halt, of course, (laughs) with the New York City uh, financial crisis, the fiscal crisis of 75. But with that said, before that, Here's a quote. uh, This is about Co-op City uh, from the New York Times. Co-op City occupies a special place in the imagination of New York. It is not only the country's largest cooperative apartment complex, it is a sort of working class utopia where, at least according to the original ideals, firefighters, post post office workers, plumbers, carpenters, and clerks could afford to buy apartments in which to make homes. So The city of the New York, through what's called the Mitchell Lama Project, which was a way to like subsidize low and middle income housing, decided as they kind of ate up all the other like big public housing areas for public housing in the city to create the largest uh, residential complex in the country and in the world in 1968. And they did that by building fifteen thousand apartments. I mean, can you guys imagine that? They just threw up these buildings, fifteen thousand there's thirty-five thousand people that live there, and they just put it up like Le Couboussier towers in the park, you know? Weird and, how all you yeah. ever
2: hear about 70s and 80s New York is uh, like urban decay, the warriors like burning cop cars and shit. Uh, and not this.
4: Weird. Hmm. Yeah. No, hmm. you,
0: cause it cause like, 'cause cause both the World Trade Center and Co-op City live in this weird, like liminal period in history where the sort of like Promethean social democratic impulse is still alive and they're still building like half billion dollar, like working class, like uh, cooperative apartments funded largely by trade unions, by the way, you know, this was put up by a coalition of New York city trade unions that exists, but then that's why, um, uh, Ford to city, New York, uh, Ford to city dropped dead that famous uh, daily news uh, cover, right? Where the federal government says no bailout for the city. That's why it was such a shocking thing because like New York city had been this, and this is the process of it. Like not being that very violent. That makes sense.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So basically built with union money built through the Mitchell Lama, 1968, same year as the world trade center, it starts to go up. Within a few years of building this, right, while the World Trade Center is still going up and while these buildings are completed, then people start moving in. They start to realize little things about the way that this, these buildings have been constructed. Number one, the windows kept falling out.
1: Jesus. Number yeah.
0: two, you'd go out oh, on your balcony no. and it would collapse. Your balcony would just fall down 30 stories and hit the ground.
1: Uh, that's not good. I, I would want no, to I would that simply
2: one. not go out on the balcony. <laughs>
1: No, I like balconies, as long as they're not too high.
2: you know what <laughs> I like at balconies. You know what I don't like falling thirty stories
0: <laughs> Be- because co-op City is built on this marginal land like way up in in the north of the Bronx, it's built on marshland. you would think uh engineering people out there that you would do some sort of i don't know deep foundation, maybe drive some piles, maybe oh, put the building no, shallow piles
1: not shallow foundations are always fine. of the time. Turns out
0: it it wasn't quite that it was just a slab, but some of the smaller buildings were literally just slabs. The parking garages started to subside within a couple of years. The main big buildings, like the 30-story ones with the balconies that fell off, like those stayed up okay, but the rest of them just started to like sink into the fucking swamp. Not good. Then uh, last but not least, um, there was supposed to be a thing called reinforced uh, bar. Rebar in the concrete, and about half of this entire complex didn't have any rebar in it.
1: Oh my God. Jesus. (laughs)
2: In their defense, isn't rebar extremely irritating to put in?
0: I I honestly, I say (laughs) abolish rebar myself. I I am willing to stand here on this podcast and say to my brothers and sisters out there, not just in the trades, but all Americans, all the workers in the world, we must come together, we must fight, we must abolish rebar. Not because it's bad, (laughs) but because it's a pain in the fucking ass. That's what these workers were doing back in the 60s and 70s. They were trying to get ahead of abolishing rebar, and we should respect them for that. However...
1: Concrete without
0: rebar, yeah, not so good.
1: Well, yeah, we should go back to unreinforced masonry.
0: That's right. Yeah, yes.
1: Um, you know, maybe, maybe especially in like low earthquake zones. I don't know, like on on uh, the West Coast, you might have to do some bullshit with like I, I don't know. You might have to throw some some bars in after the fact, you know. <sighs> but I think you can get away with unreinforced masonry yeah. most no places. Changes. What's yeah. that you, yeah. say? you
2: say? Did you say? do you say oriented strand board? Mm-hmm. That's
1: that's the mm-hmm. opposite of masonry. I'm pretty sure you said oriented strand board. Well, I am no. also pretty sure you said oriented strand board. No you love oriented strand board. No, yes, no oriented strand board. No, no
0: oriented strand board. None. Yes, you do. No. So there's there's two takeaways from the co-op city story. The first is that it set off among the residents who had working class residents who had moved in there in there, many of them who were tradespeople themselves, the largest and most sustained, the biggest rent strike in American history. From 1974 to 1975 for 13 months against the city and state who were trying to make the residents pay for this fuck up, uh, that was actually a successful rent strike and they won and they made the, the state eat it incredibly in a time of like intense austerity where the city was out of money and they were laying people off. These 35,000 New Yorkers came together and like basically held tens of millions of dollars of rent and said, fuck you. And then finally the the city and the state, they gave up. But the other important thing for that is that this co-op city, uh, these residences, were built under the same conditions, often by the same workers, certainly some of the same contractors as the twin towers of the World Trade Center, and presumably building seven as well. So when we're looking for the engineering disaster of the World Trade Center, right? Out of it collapsing on 9-11. Maybe we might want to take into account that a similar project of a similar scale, just 10 miles north, had mobbed up contractors who stole tens of millions of dollars worth of material and labor. And you had whole situations where things like rebar weren't weren't even put in. So you could read the as-built drawings on what Co-op City looked like or what the World Trade Center looked like, but... Is that what was actually produced? Is that what a bunch of drunken, doped up, awesome, heroic Chad construction <laughs> workers uh, actually put in there, yeah, or no. was it just a pipe dream?
2: The, the as-builds say that this is rebar, but actually the reinforcing element in
3: this is mostly mob snitches. <laughs> Chemically treated to, to, to make them yeah. actually like hold up. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly Hoffers down here. You got to dump some guy in the Kiwanis and be like, all right, listen, you're going to have to hold this.
1: (laughs) I want an anti-rebar action sticker now.
4: Yes.
3: (laughs) Talk about a
0: patron's goal, man. I love that. The Workers in the 70s knew, man, it was a very radical time for labor. They knew that when the apprentice showed up in the morning, he better keep the cooler uh, full of beer, cold beer. And they also knew abolish rebar.
1: By yeah, that, I mean, just don't put any rebar in there. Bringing back the spirit of Frank Furness, really, who's, um, his, his, he always said, you know, is he, he kept interns in his architecture office to keep the drinks cold. Uh, as yeah. <laughs> an
0: apprentice, but just a, uh, a dirty intern, you know? Yes.
1: <laughs> so with that in mind, 1970s, New York city construction, let's look at how these buildings were put up. Mm, allegedly put up. Allegedly put up. Allegedly put up. Alright. Oh boy, this is a lot less legible, now that I've switched the background to black. Um... It's fine. Goth diagram. They hired- put the architect notes on two slides ago. They hired architect, uh, Minoru Yamasaki, right? He Mm -hmm. decided to use a relatively new form of structural design called tube frame construction.
2: He also decided to design it, uh, to, like, have... Middle Eastern architectural features, which is like he he designed it to evoke uh the the Great Mosque at Mecca, which is very strange and very
1: ironic.
4: Well, because yeah. he had
1: previously worked um on a big airport terminal in Saudi Arabia, mm. um which of course the contractor for that was Saudi Bin Laden Group. Um, <laughs> of course. <Jesus. laughs> well, put a pin in that name there. If you if if you work. On any kind of construction in the Middle East, you will work with Saudi bin Laden group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are they are big players over there. Um this is this picture like describes uh mostly the elevator concept, which will be important later. But sort of the 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 whole concept of the towers here with your tube frame construction is that there's one acre of column free office space on every floor. Open plan.
2: You know? the The way of the future.
1: So, there's a whole bunch of columns on the exterior, they're placed 18 inches apart, and those handle a lot of the weight, and then there's columns in the core, and those also handle a lot of the weight. Those are thicker. Um, but then this area in between? No columns whatsoever. Just open and airy, right? Put a pin in that too. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then your elevator system is interesting, right? Rather than having elevators that start from the ground floor and bring you to any floor, you have a system of local and express elevators, right? So you start at the lobby, right? And then there's a system of local elevators that get you through the first 30 or so floors. But you go to higher than that, you take the express elevator, to the first sky lobby, and then get on the local elevator there, if you want to go higher than that? You get on the other express elevator to go to the third sky lobby, and then there was actually another elevator just for tourists, and then of course there was the service elevator where the contractors go, and they have to wait a long time for it. And you know, there's there's a guy who sits on a crate in there. He's pushed the button for you, you know, because you're not allowed yeah, you're to push the all these, for some like, reason.
2: Explosive yeah.
1: charges in there. Yeah. The... yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could only hold so much nanothermite at one
0: time, but it was pretty effective.
1: No, <laughs> yeah, I mean usually those service elevators are pretty big.
0: <laughs> have you guys ever? Did you guys ever go to the towers? I guess Alice when they have
3: gone. But no, I my cool. time. I you did. Yes, I did. Oh, cool. Did. I, yeah. I stayed at the World Trade Center Marriott and Windows on the World, and they never fucking replaced Windows on the World with a good restaurant, no. which I'm very upset about.
0: You so- went
1: to Rose. I never went to the towers. I did go to New York city once before nine 11. Um, and I was very small and also terrified of the tall buildings.
0: They were tall so button. fucking tall. We used to skate down there all the time. Cause there were a good place to skate by the Brooklyn bridge. And you'd stand in between the two towers. And because of the way your vision was, it would look like they were leaning in on you. It was like the most, it, they were absolutely fucking insane. Like humongous. It's hard to even understand the scale of them
1: until you've, like, been in them or stood under them. But I'm sorry, go on. Yeah. So, so, there's a couple couple interesting features here, uh, one of which is, you know, why why were the columns spaced so closely together? And it's not actually for any structural reason, that's an architectural decision, because, uh, uh, what's his face? The architect. How do I pronounce his name? Uh, oh, Yamasaki Robert. was afraid of heights. Mm-hmm. And here he was, designing the tallest building in the world. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then the elevator situation, the idea is you save space on the core of the building, right? Um, because after parking minimums, the main limit on the height of the building is the elevator system. If you ever played Sim Tower, you know that. Um. <laughs> which is really so just the
2: elevator Yeah. yeah. You can see the stairwells here in the core. This has three visible, but there should be four in each core.
1: Um, um. The old code would have required six, but the new code that had just been in effect after these buildings were designed only required three. I think you would need four now. Hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know anything about New York City codes. Good thing they upgraded the code after 9/11. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's one more. One of the results of this is that the World Trade Center towers were incredibly light and airy. You can see the sun just shining straight through. You can even see through the core of the building. Right. <sighs> this is partially because um this this was designed during a particularly lenient period in um building construction, where they didn't actually need any concrete in the core of the building. It was all steel. Cool.
2: Sounds fine.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's great. We'll, we'll talk about how the, how the fireproofing worked in a bit. Another, another factor is, uh, you know, we have the bathtub down here. They had to excavate out all the way to bedrock to build this whole complex, and they had to build this big slurry wall, you know, to hold back all the water to avoid affecting the water table. You can see here how the 1909 tube from the path trains just penetrates straight through the building. They just supported the the tube on a bridge while they were building it. Oh, that's terrific! Yeah, t-
3: <laughs> foundations
1: are my
0: work, and I'm looking at this on the right, and I'm just so proud of my people. Good job! Oh, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Right. Yeah. I mean
2: those 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 retaining walls, you know, held up like a champ.
1: You can see here a set of trusses and those sort of help keep the building together below grade they also help tie the um the the outer columns into the core um um but the main thing we want to look at is you see the load bearing exterior columns right these are all the, these all every single like uh piece of facade had a load bearing column behind it right now you can also mm-hmm. see i think atlas machine works uh is what these columns say on them there's it's an interesting thing they did is they bid out every individual lot of steel to, uh, individually. So they got them from all these different manufacturers cause they thought it might be cheaper.
0: <laughs> well, just, just like the New York city uh, financial crisis basically created neoliberalism in the United States. You know, this is happening right before that. Just bid it out to like a thousand different fucking factories, roll that steel and uh, yeah, just get in, get an under bid. You'll be good.
3: Yeah. Let's hope it works out. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. These two
0: large
2: Italian men want to come to your office to discuss (laughs) your steel bed. Okay,
1: so a huge amount of- although they bid it out to several companies, a huge amount of the building was built out of basically identical um, three-story-high sections of steel. You know, you have these three columns, you have three spandrels, right? Um, And that was over three floors, right? Um, You have your structural steel and some fireproofing, probably spray on on the outside. And then, you know, there's some aluminum panel outside of that, right?
0: All, all I can think of while I look at this, these pieces of steel being a welder, I'm like, that is a lot of fucking work. <laughs> that is a <laughs> lot of lovely man hours of welding and making union rate right there.
1: Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, these are probably pretty, pretty thick sections of steel. Yeah. Great
0: work if you can get it.
1: Exactly. And then your floors are of you know fairly light but fairly standard construction. You got concrete um over a metal deck, which is over your 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 um steel joists, right? Mm. Uh your trust not need to be
2: heavy because all of the weight is in the outside columns and the core,
3: right?
1: Yeah, you're just bracing into the columns on the outside and you're bracing into the core on the inside. And then there's some funky stuff that happens in the corners, which I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, yeah. So your main purpose of this is you're burying the weight from office crap, right? There's nothing structural in the center. It's just completely open plan. And these are just
0: basically, yeah, they just run from the center to the outside, but they're bearing almost no load at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Your concrete here is mostly just to give you like a smooth surface to put flooring Mm -hmm. on than anything else
3: ornamental concrete
1: yeah
2: yeah it's, it's carrying like stockbrokers rather than anything heavier
1: <laughs> yeah see so a load rating is going to be something like I think at the time it was 80 pounds per square foot Um, there's just there's
0: no there's not even a lot of rebar allegedly rebar is just like wire mesh you're just throwing yeah. mesh down and then you're pouring like like four to eight inches of concrete on top of it
1: I think it did, yeah, I think it did serve a purpose to sort of tie the exterior columns into the core, but, you know, that was spread out over 110 floors, right? So it sure. it, it wasn't, it wasn't, no individual truss is doing a lot of work. And the other part of that is because of the hat truss we'll, we'll talk about in a second. Um, so yeah, you get some more detail here, you can see there's, um, you know, you have your exterior column, you have... Sort of, it's bolted in with this sort of angle bracket here, with uh, bolts and slotted holes, right? That lets it sort of expand and contract as needed because the building sways with the wind, right? Why
2: wouldn't you just make it less flexible and strong?
1: <laughs> I was going to say your, your main character
0: from that bridge episode came on the gusset plate. That's
3: right. <laughs> The villain is back. <laughs> wow!
1: Well, if it just didn't have expansion joints, it would have been fine. I don't know why they didn't build it. With, I don't know why they built it with expansion joints. Uh, here we go. Expansion joints did nine eleven, folks. <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> Having any flexibility in your building system at all is like added to list of nine eleven perpetrators <laughs> after
0: Mothman. And so it's rigidity really did nine eleven. Mm Mm-hmm. Or lack of rigidity.
1: Yeah, exactly, like, uh, you know, some people say, uh, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, but Alice wants just to be a rock.
0: Yeah,
2: float (laughs) like an anchor. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) But yeah, so, you can sort of see how these assemblies were bolted into the, um, exterior spandrels here on each floor, right? This is all the same, same crap we were looking at before, this is before the concrete was poured and then at the top of the building was something called the hat truss. Oh, boy. Now, why do you call it a hat truss?
2: Because it looks like, like a
0: hat. I'm guessing you're going to be distributing something up there, you're going to be moving things toward the center, it looks
1: like? No, it is, because it's at the top of the building, like a hat, yeah. Just a yeah. Hat. It's just a hat. It's I'm just a hat. just a hat, yeah. So, <laughs> the, the, the hat truss, um... It's at the top of the building and it's a very strong structure right here. It ties in the top of the building to the core of the building, the exterior, the. Can can I ask a question real fast? That hat truss
0: between the top of the building and then the foundation of the building is the only thing that's tying all of these columns, these vertical columns together?
1: Oh, no, there's 110 floors of uh, trusses as well.
0: Yeah, but those little weak like pussy trusses, right? Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I I'm not the architect. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm just trying to think of this like in light of the inevitable disaster yeah, yeah. that's going to happen later yeah, on. Yeah, that,
1: that, the hat dress is the big thing that's holding everything together. Yeah, a very it, heavy thing that, if you watch the video of what happened to the tower, kind of falls by itself
0: at a certain point, and then everything else collapses.
2: Yeah. Listen, nope. nothing's going to sever a bunch of those columns. Yeah, sure.
0: it'd,
1: it'd be impossible.
2: Plant explosives. Land
3: explosives. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, so the hat truss is, you know, it's, it's the main thing that holds it together, everything else is kinda like, just those weak-ass floor trusses, right, and you know, there's some concrete on top of them. Um, and, you know, the main thing you're worried about is, like, wind loads, I don't know if they were talking about earthquake loads back then in um, New York City, uh, cause I believe you have to do that now, but you didn't then. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I think earthquake loads are basically the governing code everywhere now. But yeah, you just, this is just to prevent the outside from moving independently of the inside.
2: Yeah, which would be bad if that
1: yes. happens. Quite bad. Yes. So in 1973, they finished the buildings, a bunch of tenants move in. They're the tallest building in the world, they're the buildings with the most floors in the world. Um, tube construction was proven which meant a lot of other buildings were built with this form of construction, Uh, City Corp Center, which we'll talk about later, the Sears Tower, and nothing bad happened. (laughs) No. Famously. Yes. Yes. This is where Alice uh, takes us on. That's right. (laughs) Welcome to my
2: my short explainer about how nothing bad happens. (laughs) So. If you listen to our episode about the Salang Tunnel Fire, we talk about how the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. This has been widely held to be a very bad move. Not least (laughs) because, uh, as part of the, like, psycho Reagan doctrine anti-communism, the US, and the US's friends in Pakistan and Israel and so on, trained, armed, and funded a mixture of Afghan and foreign, mostly Saudi. Uh, Islamist fighters to fight the Communists, and the good put, news is... Put a pin in that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, put a pin in that, running out of pins. The good news is, uh, it, well, depending, the good news is they win.
1: Um, next slide, please. How oh, the buildings fell down, you ran out of pins.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: put another <put in> <laughs> pin
3: in this guy. He will always be a grateful ally.
2: <laughs> in this, in this, uh, this article from I think 1991, anti-Soviet warrior puts his army on the road to peace.
4: Oh,
0: Robert so, Fisk, he's still out there.
2: Yeah, still writing. So <laughs> after they win, some of them go on to form the Taliban government of Afghanistan. Others of them, like this guy, are just kind of wandering, like, uh, thus this article about how this cool guy, who like, never worked for the CIA or anything of that nature, is now building roads in Sudan, and he's like, he has put his army on the road to peace and he's doing humanitarian work.
1: Um, hey, uh, I brought him into the family business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, they they sent us up to the Bronx, we're going to build these uh, residential towers, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Bin so, Laden did collapse it here. Sadio Bin Ladio group. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: three I mean,
2: more... put on here. Three <laughs> more bad things happen. Uh, in order. Russia, post-USSR Russia, invades Chechnya, um, Serbians kill a bunch of Muslims in Bosnia, and then lastly, George H.W. Bush invades Iraq, which requires stationing US troops in Saudi Arabia, which a Saudi Arabian Islamist like Osama bin Laden could get very upset about. Mm. Um, and all in all, it becomes very easy for guys like this who have been like, who have found themselves in this world of uh, jihadism, I suppose. To then sell this idea that the West, right, including Russia, but also the US, is at war with Islam, and this leads to the foundation of Al-Qaeda, and what Al-Qaeda start doing is blowing up American stuff abroad. Embassies, uh, the USS Cole, which I think kills like six sailors. Um, Next slide
1: please. He's basically doing falling down. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah a, a disgruntled former US contractor. I, I, kind I, don't of,
0: what, I don't know what's funnier, is imagining Michael Douglas dressed like Bin Laden or Bin Laden.
2: <laughs> Please photoshop that and send it to us on Twitter, either way, preferably both. So then the terrorist attack happens, but not that terrorist attack. Um. In 1993, an I think Egyptian guy called Ramzi Youssef figures out, hey, there's a vulnerability in these Twin Towers. You can just drive into the parking garage under here. Uh, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to fill a van with explosives, park it next to a column and set it off. And hopefully what's going to happen is one of these towers is going to collapse, fall into the other tower. They both come down. A huge win for Jihad. Um... This does not happen. You can see a little diagram here on the left hand side of what does happen, which is essentially he blows a big goddamn hole in three or four floors of the parking garage, kills like six people. People, yep. But there's a few more details to put pins in.
3: So I hope you have pins ready.
1: Well, I would say real fast. I was fucking um, them out of the towers, actually.
3: Also, <laughs> Ramzi Youssef was, I believe, Khalid Sheikh Muhammad's nephew mm-hmm. is one of the architects of the 9-11 attacks and he is still sitting on guantanamo bay and we're never going to try him because we are a broken and diseased country
0: yep and also i would say too you can critique this plan this, this 1993 plan but the guy in question was named the blind shake so he might not have been the best planner of this operation. No, perhaps
2: not. <laughs> Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, by the way, waterboarded
0: 273 times by the CIA. That seems a bit excessive. 272 more than uh, Christopher Hitchens.
4: Hmm.
1: He was he was <laughs> to say, like, I don't know, maybe if they had done it three more times, he might have confessed. <laughs> <laughs> Take three more pins.
2: Pin number one. It's very difficult to evacuate the towers, because... When Ramzi Yusuf's bomb goes off in the parking garage, smoke just goes straight up that core, it chokes the entire lobby, it floods up the core through the elevator shafts, and so people are trying to evacuate through this, the firefighters have to break out windows so that the smoke can get out. They just that's, built two giant chimneys. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's one pin. Second pin, you'll notice, um, on level B1, there's the Port Authority Control Center. Uh, that gets destroyed, which means the Port Authority's like, communications infrastructure for telling people to evacuate and stuff, instantly destroyed. And pin 3, when they get there, the New York Fire Department put their command post right outside the lobby of the North Tower. And you can see on the right here, uh, the photo of the street outside outside covered in emergency vehicles.
1: Apart from that, nothing bad is going to happen. can't help but admire the RTS bus right here.
3: He Uh, also tried to assassinate the Pope, didn't he?
1: Yeah, there was a lot of weird
3: stuff like that, a
1: lot of like cockamamie
2: schemes that kind of didn't go anywhere.
0: They were a bunch of loser jerk-offs, right? That's true. One heroic battle in fucking Afghanistan, and then they're like, we're out of work, what do we do? And they just, you know.
1: How, how, how do you try to assassinate the Pope, but then get away with it to an extent that you failed, but are still able to do further terrorism? Huge
3: L for the Swiss well, Guards. He, he got arrested, I believe in 95, uh, maybe in Pakistan, and now he's serving two consecutive life sentences in Supermax, hmm. so he didn't do it that good. Hey, but at least he didn't get waterboarded that we know of.
1: So did he try- also, how far did he get appreciate- into assassinating the pope before he was later <laughs> able to do this?
3: Okay. <laughs> I close after the Iranian shrine, Baba, you know what, you do that, all all. this all right. was supposed to be- You're going asking me, the, the Catholic on later. this podcast, <laughs> to assassinate the pope. Uh, you, you don't own have
0: Catholicism, have you. you do not own Catholicism. I'm
3: telling you that he tried to assassinate the
0: pope. Guys, we're fighting amongst ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Usually let's go I'm, let's I'm, let's on the next
3: slide. He was going to be a suicide bomber dressed as a priest. Jesus. Oh Apparently, my God. that, that Fuck off, not that's not real. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Phase One: colon Pope oh. assassination plot. It is. <laughs> colon, colon, <sighs> fucking clown shoes.
2: Okay, so this is a memo, it's called the President's Daily Briefing, the CIA collates it, they give it to the President every day. This one is highlighted, and it's declassified now due to public interest, because it's headlined Bin Laden Determined to Strike Inside US. And what this tells you is, the President, at the time, George W. Bush, meant to have read this, probably never did. that Bin Laden wanted to follow the example of World Trade Center bomber Ramzi Youssef and bring the fighting to America. And you have your like cause and effect quite neatly here, because after U.S. missile strikes on his base in Afghanistan in 1998, Bin Laden told followers he wanted to retaliate in Washington. And so... the, the went CIA, over, buddy. He went over, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so the CIA already kind of know that Bin Laden wants to do this, but they don't want to share information with the FBI. The FBI don't want to share information with the FBI. The NSA don't want to share information with the FBI. And so, like, basically, none of them
0: are snitches. The CIA and the NSA aren't snitches. They're not going to go. In the bed <laughs> like that.
2: Yeah, ACAB. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess the lesson here is that, like, FBI agents are incredibly unpopular, and no one likes them, because you end up with all of these memos flying back and forth between FBI agents that are like, hey, we know all of these Al-Qaeda guys are in the US, and have like multiple entry visas, and some of them are at this flight school, um, should we do something about that? And then they just get things back like,
1: eh, nah. Probably fine. Feds, baby. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs>
0: Yeah, but who, who who would want to hang out with an FBI? They're all Mormon. They don't even fucking drink. They never let down. They're,
3: they're fun, man.
0: I wouldn't snitch out if I was in the CIA, which I'm not. <laughs>
3: he
4: said
0: not quite convincingly.
4: This
2: is how you get the like, 9-11 conspiracy theories that, like, are not Bush did 9-11, but Bush allowed 9-11 to happen, is mm. that, like, it seems so implausible that you could have all of these, like, kind of near misses, where the FBI no. are like, huh, could no. we no. do that? And it's
3: like, no. is. If, if you
2: think that's an implausible level of incompetence for the federal government to display, I would ask you, have you seen anything the federal government has done <laughs> in the last 20 years?
0: <clears throat> it's a good point.
1: Never attribute to malice what can adequately be explained by incompetence. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the fundamental tenet of Marxism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so
2: that's me. That's that's my little, like, potted explanation of how 9 11. Um, and of oh. course, we know what happened on 9 11, apart from unless you're in our audience are Zoomers, in which case you may not. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, I guess... Building, blow up, go boom. Yeah. yeah, yeah 19 of Bin Laden's guys fly one airliner into the north tower, then like an hour later they fly another one into the south tower. Uh, a lot of people get killed, a lot of people get trapped above the impact site, because the plane like severs all or all but one of the stairwells in the core. Those people are just fucked, and you get, like, really grim photos of people hanging out of windows and, like, 911 calls, uh, people jump out, people fall, uh, grimmest thing, one of them lands on a firefighter and kills him. Um,
1: then they uh, whacked a plane into the Pentagon, yep. and then Amy McGrath shot down Flight 93. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's
2: right. <laughs> uh, I was gonna gonna talk a little bit about the actual emergency response because that's uh, that's a disaster in and of itself. Um, so, as with last time, the fire department just sets up a command post in the lobby of the North Tower, um, and you can see it there on the top left. Um, the Paws Authority announcement system that was in the basement—it does not get blown up this time, so that's working. Um, and they get on the radio and they say, "Okay, everybody, just stay where you are. We know how much of a how much of an effort it was, how chaotic it was to evacuate last time. It's safest to keep everybody where they are, and you fight the fire. It's shades of Grenfell, right?" Um, in fact, a lot of people in the South Tower come down to ground level when the first plane hits the North Tower, and people tell them to go back up. Um, some of
1: them do, some of them don't. Um, <clears throat> oh my God. It, it's just the worst instruction I can think of. Like, yeah, but I can also see why people that, would do it.
3: They mm-hmm. don't know what the fuck to do if the building you're currently standing in has just been hit by a plane. No, that's fair.
0: i'd I'd like to think i would do the right thing and just walk the fuck out and go home but you know it's capitalism you know you have a job back up there oh the the people down the security down there the firefighters the cops are saying it's safe go back to work okay i'll Mm -hmm. go back count some more i'll do more that that, that, that fire is like
1: 40 stories above me i don't care (laughs) (laughs) I,
0: I,
2: i remember reading one survivor talking about how like he gets down to the lobby and a, a post authority guy with a bullhorn like yells in his face to go back up and he's like, I don't know how I didn't punch the guy, but I just walked past him because what was he gonna do? Arrest me. Um so you know, so some people do. Um also of note, uh is I want to talk about radios a little bit. Because at this talk time about how
0: Giuliani fucked up the radios with yeah, the video contracts. I'm assuming that's what you're gonna say right now, right? That's exactly what I'm gonna
3: say. Thank so you, thank
0: you. Famous, famous story in New York. People talk about this all the time. Like Mm -hmm.
3: we have. I I was told that Giuliani loved America. (laughs) Right now, (laughs) verb nine eleven. Yeah,
0: come to New York City and talk to people here, both before and after (laughs) eleven, and see how much fucking people love Giuliani. He's the mayor,
3: and he fucked. He screwed the pooch on this one. There's two. There's actually two bad bad Giuliani decisions. I, I feel like if I say Rudy Giuliani loves America. Anywhere in New York, I'm gonna get laid out, and I'm you gonna deserve out. it. Yeah, don't say that at the Patriot
0: bar, Patriot bar, man. Just don't say it.
2: So there's there's actually two Rudy Giuliani horrible 9/11 decisions. One is the radios. One is like basing uh pretty much all of the like New York City's emergency operations center in Building Seven, uh, like Oof. directly across, along with a bunch of like incredibly hazardous chemicals for some fucking reason. Like he was a Batman villain. Um, But yeah, anyway, radios. (laughs) So, because of shitty low bidding, the FDNY and the NYPD and the Port Authority police all have separate radio systems. Uh, They can't interact with each other. They can't talk to each other. Um, NYPD and Port Authority have UHF, ultra high frequency radios, which work quite well in buildings. The fire department has VHF, very high frequency, which don't. Um, Here at Al Yankovic, we know. Yeah. And <laughs> th- there is there is a pause authority repeater in uh in the building that like you use to like increase that signal strength. <laughs> Nobody quite knows how to operate it. It sort of works, it kind of works. And so you have this incredibly chaotic thing where people are coming down, people are coming back up. Um, you have firefighters trying to go up the stairwell. There's a picture of that on the right-hand side. That guy, Mike Kehoe, survived, by the way. Um and as they're doing this their radios don't work and so when the second plane hits the south tower the fdny orders an evacuation and none of the firefighters up there can hear it and so uh, it jesus fuck kills yeah. 343 firefighters uh one guy from the fire patrol oh, who you can fuck. see there in the red helmets uh, a fire marshal also a bunch of cops but at least like they had some warning whereas like the firefighters absolutely did not um, Jesus. And uh, as ever, like there's all of the dispatchers instantly overwhelmed with nine one one calls and radio communications. Uh, the the like in cab terminals that you have now, those were new at the time, and they just kind of stopped working. And so, if you were an FDNY commander and you wanted to know like what units you had available to you, the dispatcher would have to read that out to you, and that would take like five ten minutes of just uninterrupted airtime. Um, everybody's talking over each other because the handful of channels are overcrowded. Um, and of course you still have, as you see in that diagram on the bottom, right? just, everybody's just parked right outside because that's, that was how you staged things.
0: Um, and so th- you just, just end up with a this, hmm. that ACAB, but also AFAW, all firefighters are wonderful. It's heartbreaking (laughs) to hear this story because firefighters do nothing but good. They're like a municipal service that does nothing but help
3: people.
4: There's like
0: people out there to help you out and get you safe and put out the
3: fire. Good people. Yeah, yeah. like I've done a lot of shit in my life, but like I get like again with firefighters, it's just as simple as like I don't and I will never have the fucking balls to like run into a burning building with my radio not fucking working. I'll just be like, yep, this is a Tuesday. <laughs> like, this shit
2: blows ass yeah catch me running in the opposite direction yes, and I not am. wanting to be a firefighter anymore i am
3: in fact a pussy bitch baby that's Man.
0: why afa all firefighters are wonderful that's yes. right so
2: this this of course sets up for like a massive disaster in the emergency response and it's why the death toll is as high as it is um I, d- I don't know if there's there like lessons you can learn from this aside from fucking evacuate a building when a plane hits it. Yes, um, because it's not something that you can really like prepare for. You can't say, "Oh, the fire department didn't have enough radios," because like they were never going to. You can't keep that many on hand just in yeah. case nine eleven happens.
0: There's a certain inertia too. Like you you keep coming back to you keep putting a pin in these plans. What happened in uh, In uh, 1993, Hmm. and what happens in uh, at 9/11, and it seems like the like the mists of time, like it seems like forever ago. But if you were there, it was only eight years apart, right? You had this plan then, and we have this plan now, and it it wasn't that far apart from one another. So, like somebody.
2: I, I remember the port uh, the port authority guy said at the time like he was telling people to stay put over the announcement thing, and the phrase was like I, I'm I'm gonna keep doing this until I get authority not to from the fire department or somebody, and of course the fire department kind of busy at the moment, and sure, so you off, just
3: you know, the fire
2: yeah yes. d- just don't get that.
1: And um, uh, uh, there's also like a lot of precedent for tall buildings not falling down. Right. Yeah. Um, at this point, you know, I mean, mean, even ones where they really thought it was going to, like, one Meridian Plaza in Philadelphia, they were like, but this building's definitely coming down. And they evacuated most of Center City, cause they thought it was gonna come down, and like finally the fire got high enough, it hit a floor that had sprinklers on it, tamped the fire down. Um. Can I, uh...
0: Alice, are you done with the part where Giuliani puts the staging in building seven in the the city stuff? Or yeah, you I'm, this, is, this
2: is this is me done with my my slide here. Uh, so, like, yes. I, I figure if we all have anything else to contribute about the actual like day of, this is kind of where it belongs. Uh, well, yeah.
0: If I could, like, and I think that was a good presentation. Thank you. We have to go back to the get back to the political economy of it, right? because we're talking about the port authority of new york and new jersey this like mongrel disgusting public private entity with a ton of money and a ton of power that kind of exists outside the structure of the city and the state both states but kind of lives in it at the same time has the ability to create all these hundreds of millions of square feet of office space even when it's needed or not like there's a whole like economic world that's existing here And part of the reason, as I understand it, and again, like I'm a New Yorker and like people still talk about this. The reason why Giuliani ends up putting all those essential services in the world trade center complex is because the world trade center from the fucking get from the 1970s with the fiscal crisis and all the way up to the time when nine 11 happens was an unmitigated fucking disaster. It was a boondoggle. They never leased out all that fucking space. So what, what do you do? you get another government agency to lease out the space, to bail out the port authority, to try to get private people to come in and lease it. But they don't. So you bring another public entity in there and you just keep. Like filling this thing as much as you possibly can to make sure it doesn't lose all the fucking money. Uh, it's also, incidentally,
2: idea. incidentally, why uh, you see this in like conspiracy theories, which we'll talk about in a second. But like they'll be like, oh, why did the FBI and the CIA and the NSA have they an office in the World Trade out. Center? Yeah, because yeah. they were bailing them out. <laughs> yeah. Because you can always <laughs> get money by uh, like having the Feds be tenants in your building, <laughs> and that's what was happening.
1: Yeah, if the if the buildings were still up, they'd have the DSA as a tenant by now.
0: Oh, yeah. I think, uh, half feds, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I, should say,
0: I shouldn't I shouldn't even with you on that one. You guys mind if I take a break and use the bathroom real fast?
1: Oh, uh, no, go for it. Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. All right. Get some drums there?
0: Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, uh, my roommate just got back from a few months away because of COVID, and he informs me that a woman named Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. An hour, yeah. in-
2: you, you hear about yeah. that? Uh, our
3: very own 9/11 on the 9/11 episode. <laughs> she talks <sucks> so bad. <laughs> she died on Rosh Hashanah. Which, if you need any further proof that God hates the Jews, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> how is how, that year going for you? It's yeah, yeah. We're starting off real good, dude. I like. I I don't want to get into into it too too much because I don't want to deal with the snarky bullshit. Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have retired because that's not really here nor there right now. Yeah, but just absolutely fuck Mitch McConnell. Absolutely Mm -hmm. fuck. fuck, Like fuck. Just fuck this whole thing, man. Like everything. Fuck Fuck it all. That's how I feel, man. I just like I said. I'm not. I'm not doing the the, you know, blame. I'm not, I'm not getting into the blaming her for her own death bullshit right now. Uh, but I just, I absolutely- <laughs> Yeah, I might, <laughs> yeah, I, I, might I might indulge I myself. <laughs> myself. If you, I will say, and I, I, I don't want to even speak these words, but like, if you live in a state where there's a Senate race and you can vote for someone who's not like a literal baby eating monster, Please, please do that. But, I don't really give a fuck about the vote for president, but, like, please, like, at but, least in the Senate, like...
0: This, this this, is really early. It just happened, but isn't Mitch McConnell just going to jam this through yeah, the Senate? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Died,
3: like, in the statement acknowledging her death he also basically right. turned around and was just like but we're gonna nominate our person and the democrats <laughs> won't filibuster because yeah, yeah, it's, going it's, it's gonna be way. some slavering dog fucking you know, psycho be, you know who's gonna have to save us You're mitt, fucking, mitt fucking romney <laughs> off, have to no. take one for the you you don't want to see that alice you don't want to see mitt fucking romney stabbing mitch mcconnell on oh, the floor yeah. of the senate with some sword he got from his dad in, like, its 70s Detroit flea market. You don't want to see that? Yes, you do.
0: If there's one thing I share, sentiment I share with some of the protagonists of our story, fuck America, man. What a-
4: yeah. <laughs> Not
0: in the way that they said it, but just,
1: like, oh, what a
0: fucking unmitigated disaster.
1: Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders is the only senator I have no- know of who has a sword. <laughs> There's got to be I, more than that.
3: I I believe there's some so there's some wackadoodles in Congress that I imagine have. so gonna be QAnon
0: soon. senators soon. So I'm sure oh they'll have. Oh god!
1: Them. Oh my god! We have a, we have Where's a QAnon senator before we get like uh <laughs> social from democratic Q- one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god!
3: I am so tired of the QAnon people, man. I'm just like, uh, why do you believe that these are as competent as they <laughs> are? I'm doing
0: a and episode in that Christmas next week. It's gonna be great. It's uh, gonna be a lot of fun.
3: I'm sure he's uh, gonna take this
2: news extremely well and with uh, the like I, equilibrium I, it, we know him for. What
0: I just happened? saw his girlfriend. She was going over to his house, and I feel a little bad for her. She's gonna hear <laughs> it.
1: What what just happened? I didn't understand the last discussion we had. I showed up. Ruth Bader Bade Ginsburg
2: time. died. Ross has become the Joker, ladies and
4: gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the fuck together, man. He's <laughs> screaming a fucking
2: goddamn
4: Joker. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry welcome back baby (laughs) oh well Uh, this is going to get ran through in like
4: two days (laughs) oh
3: Oh, man
2: Do you remember that, like, a, a few weeks ago she officiated a wedding, and like they posted it on Twitter, and they were like, hey, um, no, guess who officiated our wedding? Nobody's wearing a mask, but don't worry, we all got tested. I'm grinning and giving a double thumbs up into the microphone right now.
0: Oh good god, her, holy shit, oh man.
1: Ugh.
2: Wedding influencers have just perpetrated a greater act of terrorism on the United States than Al Qaeda.
1: That was that was hell of a that was that was a hell of a bathroom break I took that I missed that.
0: <laughs> my roommate, I was saying, my roommate came in. He just got back from COVID quarantine, and he told me about that. It was uh, that's quite interesting. It really puts a new shine on this whole uh, electoral contest here.
1: Oh, man. It's going to be really funny when they ram someone three before the election. Um,
0: <laughs> I know. This is, but you know how good this is for content because you can use that break as break and do part two and then part two will us basically be doing a cold open of when we found out that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. That's great. Yes, content.
2: that's a yeah. really good idea.
0: Yeah. Really good.
1: Content. So anyway, with, with that news, that, uh, the notorious RBG is dead. God, don't uh, even. Uh, so, we all know Bush put bombs in the towers, right? hmm Twirling sure. his mustache, bringing up big crates marked Acme in the service elevator, right? Yep.
3: Just the one service elevator, the rest of it has to be for other shit the designated designated bomb service elevator
1: there's <laughs> usually like one service el- i don't know i've 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 been up a, a, the main tall building i've been up is the bny Mellon center in philly they only had one service elevator
0: how many and it bombs was slow could you fit as hell, hell? <laughs> how many um how many items of uh, nanothermite do you think you could have brought up with
1: I was big. I could have brought a shitload of nanothermite, but I couldn't have concealed that I was doing it because they have a guy sitting on a crate who pushes the button for you. The nanothermite checker. He just checks to make sure you don't have nanothermite. No, I think he just has a really good union and he's the elevator operator still. That's the IU elevator (laughs) operator. Hell yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about how these towers came down and then we'll talk a little bit about the conspiracy theories around it you know controlled demolition theory right and i've worked on controlled demolitions well a controlled demolition
2: yeah 911
0: <laughs> rosnieck did
2: <not> laugh. <laughs> it it was the polls to list of suspects <laughs> the polls did it do you know you no know, poles went to work that
3: day <laughs>
0: Put a pin in this podcast.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The Poles have jobs regardless.
1: (laughs) All right. Terrorists whacked two big planes into the buildings, and for some reason a lot of folks think that isn't enough to bring a building down, and instead, you know, Bush called up the Agme company and put the bombs in the buildings. So we're gonna talk about thermite, we're gonna talk about squibs, we'll talk about the explosions in the lobby in the basement. We'll talk a little bit about Building 7. I don't know if we can talk too much about it, just because of, uh, time constraints. Um, but first we're gonna talk about the official explanation for the collapse, which I think is basically correct. Um, and I- I wanna say this, we planned this episode before True Anon world trade uh, bush did 9 11 episode 3 came out we're not doing this in response to that i don't yeah. want to start a podcast beef um i mean still though that being said i learned most of this from that episode and it's not very convincing um
0: <laughs> i would also like to note um the kind of wild card i'll just be floating over all of the content here was what i presented earlier which is that uh construction in the late 60s early 1970s maybe wasn't up to up to the codes that were demanded maybe the as-built looked a little fucked up so something to think about moving forward
1: i have some pictures of that actually
4: ah <laughs> yeah good man
1: <laughs> so a plane whacked into the world one of the world trade center towers right and you can sort of see you know Looks like a lot of plane-shaped hole. Yeah, it's a plane-shaped hole. Real like
2: Acme, like Looney Tune shit. You have like a plane-shaped impact hole. Yeah, you got mm. the
1: fuselage. You got the wings. You can see as the wings get thinner, you know, less stuff is impacted, right? It's ripped the cladding off, right? It's severed some of the columns. Certainly, right here is like two or three floors of columns just gone, right? These are a few diagrams I found of um, estimated damage caused by the impacts, right? Um, and this is in Tower 1, the North Tower, and Tower 2, the South Tower, respectively. Um, so, one one of the things you can sort of see here is that the impact did a lot of damage. This is mostly showing what happened to the core. A lot of the core columns were just... just whacked is gone by you know the 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 plane ramming into the building
0: these are prefabricated sections we saw those three story sections that are being flown in and then put in place and then welded together so in terms of like a column coming apart it could simply just be a weld breaking
1: yeah mm-hmm. it could be.
2: yeah and that's why you can't be like jet fuel can't melt steel beams it's like you know can destroy steel beams is like a plane
3: yes or uh paper burning really hot because as it turns out, in there's a lot of paper. You know yes. just-
0: plastic. If I the welder, I would be happy to like uh, you know stand my beads up to anybody. But if you flew like really fast and like really hard uh, steel and aluminum into my welds, I'm not sure they would hold. I don't mm-hmm.
1: know. Fair, fair enough. As someone who's welded at some point in my life and was never very good at it, you'd definitely fly a plane into mm-hmm. my welds. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> That's the new American Welding Society certification is can you fly a plane into the weld? <laughs>
1: yeah, I got my AWS. All right. Once this plane whacks into the building, right, it causes a lot of fire. It severs some columns. Um, and since we're severing the columns, we need to start thinking about the load path through the building, right? And you can see here, we, we have another view of the hat truss, we're looking along a different cord, that's Ooh. why it looks different. Right? So, yeah,
2: kind of a more sombrero vibe this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: We've gone from uh, sort of a trilby
0: to sombrero. Different phases, different hipsters doing different styles, different eras.
1: Once the plane hits the building, it cuts through the exterior columns, a couple things happen. Um, number one, it sets the building on fire. A lot. There's a lot of fire, right? The jet fuel burned up really quickly, office supplies and shit kept burning, right? Um, it stripped off the fireproofing, that's something we will talk about in the next slide more extensively, um, and your exterior columns are hollow tubes, so the fire can get inside, right? Um, it severs the pipes in the core, which lead to the sprinkler systems, right? Um, and also all the other pipes, so, you know, if- you shat yourself when you were in an upper story and you needed to use the bathroom. The toilet's not going to refill. Um, That's not so good. I know. I right?
3: Love, I love that. I love that your scenario is just if you shat yourself. I mean, like I would. The, this is
0: the Virgil Texas guide to 911. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm. First of all, I'm in 911, and second of all, I've got IBS.
3: Why would I yeah. not? Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm sorry about your stomach, Alice.
1: Thank you. But number four, it changes the load path of these columns, right? So there's these exterior columns, they're taking the weight from these floors here, right? And originally, they would transfer the load down, right? Now they're cut in half, so the lower part still transferring the load down, the upper part is transferring the load up to the hat truss. The hat truss brings it across into the core columns, which bring them down. It's fine. hat truss is strong, it's fine. In addition to this, a whole bunch of the core columns have been center- severed, mm. right? So although they're much thicker, much stronger, they are also now being subject subjected to much, much higher loading than they are designed for. Now, you have a very strong safety factor on these things, uh, you have a very strong safety factor on all of these things, and of course, one if there was one thing these exterior columns had, it was redundancy. Right, You can see just how many columns there are on every side. I think there's... 18 mm. inches,
0: you said. That's a lot of columns.
1: Yeah, especially when there's one acre of floor space on every floor, right? But, again, there's a lot of fire, right? Um, And it's hot initially. It gets hotter with paper. It starts to cool down later on. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and there's a few recordings which taken out of context, uh, say firefighters thought they could knock down the fires with one or two lines. Um, and that was referring to some of the lower areas of the fire, not like the the main areas of the fire yeah, where they're there working was, their way up. There was a right. lot of fire. So now we have to talk about the fireproofing system. All right. And this is, is where Is that
2: good? Is that supposed to look that way?
1: Oh boy. All right. So this came from let me remember what it is. Fire engineering magazine. I think it was an article in Oh, which,
0: which one? I, I get that every week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I forget where it was. I will link to it in the description. Um, just to make I got these images from there. Um, fireproofings, kind of relative, right? It's rated for however many hours of protection at whatever temperature, if it's properly applied, right?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> our co-op city uh
1: people are taking the pin out of that right there yeah.
2: about... Just moving these various pins
1: around <laughs> if the temperature of the fire is lower it might last longer if the temperature of the fire is higher it might not last as long this depends on chemical composition what kind of fireproofing it is right so that's why you want fireproofing to be installed completely and adequately standard and there are standards and tests which exist now to ensure that fireproofing is applied properly.
2: Yeah, plus fewer large Italian men coming to your office to talk about the <laughs> fireproofing contract.
0: Yes. looks like shit on the right there, I just gotta say. If that's actual, like, what it looked like, that looks like shit.
1: This is from inside the towers, it's not from one of the floors that was hit, but uh. yeah. That looks like shit. Looks like, it looks really like it looks like shit. Uh, steel at that, that's just that's
0: garbage, man. Someone phone that in.
1: So <laughs> yeah, so the 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 sort of tests we do today to ensure fireproofing is installed adequately didn't exist when World Trade Center One and World Trade Center Two were put up.
0: Thank God it was the era of the working man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: No rebar, no fireproofing. Simple as.
1: No problem. (laughs) There's barely any concrete in these buildings, so you didn't need rebar. It's the future we all want. World Trade Center 1 and 2 had two fireproofing systems. One was spray-on fireproofing. That was on the floor joists and most of the structural members. You can see the metal deck has spray-on fireproofing. You can see the floor joists... Here mostly have spray on fireproofing. <laughs> was, well, right? some of it has spray. The upper cord has spray on fireproofing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. That's,
0: that's, that's just an honest day's work right there. <laughs> it's
3: fireproofed
0: on average. I. I would feel good about that going
3: home at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I did a good job.
1: I'm just trying to, yeah, the upper court is the one intention, and the lower court- no, the lower court's the one intention, He needs the fireproofing more. Um, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Anyway. one was spray-on fireproofing, what we're seeing here are two parts of the building. On the left, actually, is a section of the core. Um. And this had previously had spray-on fireproofing applied. This is a column, right? This is... I think three or four stories tall. We can see the weld up at the top, too. No. What you're you're looking at here is... This spray-on fireproofing, you can see where it's still applied, right? It, It adhered well to the surface of the column when it was put on, but the surface of the column was... You know, it had been exposed to the elements for a while, so it rusted. it sprayed I mean, fireproofing on, on the rust at the
2: time they like put the building up. That's what seven
0: years. No, oh, this is nineteen ninety two, and the building was built in what seventy three or something like that. You're talking like 15, 16 years, something like that.
1: It sounds. A, I don't remember when it was sixty eight. 69 I mean, maybe?
0: it started in 68 i think it wasn't it wasn't completed until like 70 or 72 so you're looking like yeah. yeah a decent amount of time 20 years maybe
1: but they put the fireproofing on after the column had developed a layer of surface rust so Ouch. it just peeled off at some point the fireproofing just started flaking off on its own right and um you know this this section according to the article, was on the 78th floor. I'm not sure of which tower. Um, And the author noted that this condition was still evident in June of 2000.
4: Mm,
0: Not
1: good. And on the other side, we, we already talked about how this fireproofing is not well applied. And this is not necessarily the fireproofer's fault, because a lot of times fireproofing is applied last before other systems are installed, which makes applying Fireproofing to Joyce like this very difficult. It's difficult to start no. out with because it's a complex, you know, system of shapes, right? Don't say Justin doesn't stand for the working man, okay? He no. Under- or not.
4: <laughs>
1: so the building was all the buildings were also both built during the transition from asbestos fireproofing to newer non-asbestos fireproofing. Another chin. Yeah, which we <laughs> were you know when Trump says something incredibly stupid, which is also right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, All long time, yeah, yeah. Which like
2: is- when he said about the forest fires that they should rake the forests, but the reason why was that trees explode. He was right; trees do explode in forest fires.
1: Yeah. Okay. And it was like, you know, asbestos was something that we knew how to apply when these buildings were built, and then you know we were looking for new non-asbestos fireproofings, which were ordered to be applied when these buildings were half built. <laughs>
0: So this like similar to the political economy of it. It's kind of spanned two eras, like the asbestos era and the post-asbestos era.
2: Yeah, you have just enough asbestos in there as seasonings to make sure that everybody gets mesothelioma.
1: So I believe this is high enough that it's all gypsum-based fireproofing, but we didn't. We it didn't adhere as well, and it was also just not. It was either not applied well, or it was we didn't have good adhesives back then. I'm not sure exactly. Again, I'm linking the article which has more details. I just took these images to show that, like, this was representative of the amount of fireproofing inside the buildings. There was also a second form of fireproofing in the building, right? Mostly protecting the core. We saw how there was a hole through the core earlier, right? Mm. So, the World Trade Centers did not have concrete cores like a modern building would. They had- it was all steel protected by spray-on fireproofing, but also you can see some panels here, um, and I believe that is a different kind of fireproofing. Mm. I'm not sure if that's exactly what it was, but I do know for a fact that the other thing that protected the course was gypsum wallboard. Oh, good. Classic. Classic choice. Also known as drywall. Mm -hmm.
2: Thus making the 9-11 Hijackers the first Kyles to punch holes in
1: drywall. They were not the first Kyles. <laughs> Plenty of people punched holes through drywall before before 2001. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's say the let's say the deadliest Kyles. That does mean World Trade Center one and two were Grover Tower.
3: Uh, <laughs> I, I would I, I would watch the deadliest warrior, but only with Kyles.
1: <laughs> so, all right, drywall is actually pretty good fireproofing, right? It's um. That along with the spray-on gypsum waterproofing, you know, gypsum is about half water by weight, the way it works is there's water crystals in the structure, right, in, in the molecular structure, and as the fire burns the gypsum, the water vaporizes, becomes steam, right, and that keeps temperatures low enough because there's so much, uh, so much heat required to vaporize the water, that you can get these good fireproofing ratings out of it, like one hour, two hour, three hour, right? But gypsum is bad with impacts. <laughs> yes. Back to the Kyles. Yeah. So they Kyled their way through the towers and basically negated the fireproofing. I'll do it. If anyone's ever dropped a, a piece of
0: drywall when you're walking with it and the thing just goes blech, like crumbles like yeah it's not not
1: the strongest with that sort of um shear, right it shears very easily off and i believe there are there there's there's um stronger versions of drywall which a bunch of with a bunch of glass fibers in them um which i assume is probably what they used but they're probably not aircraft impact rated (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's an
0: that's an impact rate uh ra- rating they only brought on after 9-11. Okay. <laughs> why don't
2: they make the whole building out of the black box <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right so how does your whole bunch of fire translate to the building collapsing right and there's a few things that go on here with the floor plates right so step one is the impact happens and that causes a hell of a lot of damages to the building right we the fire is kind of gravy on this. The the impact did most of the damage. Um, you know, it kyles its way through the drywall, starts a big fire. The floor trusses start to sag from the heat, right? Um, and the fire is interesting because it starts out kind of cool from jet fuel, right? And then it gets hotter from paper and shit, right? And then it starts to cool off right, after the floor trusses start bending, right, and once the fire starts to cool off, the floor trusses start to contract, and they pull the exterior columns in with them as they do. Right. 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 So that, that causes these columns to buckle, and that reduces the amount of load they can carry, in addition with all these core columns being exposed to unrestricted flame, and many of them being severed. Right, so you can you can see this. Here's a series of lines imposed, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not imposed, superimposed. Super yes, imposed but better. Yes, exactly. Over you know where you would expect the uh, columns of the World Trade Center to be, right? And you can see one of them right here, and you can see how these actual columns are bending inwards and then back outwards, right, and you can sort of see that here as well, right? They're and vertically so, buckling. Yeah, and this is, this is a subtle bending, but it's very significant, right? These columns have been turned into the equivalent of wet noodles, and, um, you know, also several of them have been severed. Hmm. So, in the meantime, right? These are events leading up to the collapse, not the actual collapse. Under, you know, the intense implied heat, the remaining intact parts of the building start to tri- twist, you know, writhe under these incredible forces that are being put over. And your load distri- uh, distribution over the whole towers becomes eccentric, lateral loads are introduced into structural columns designed only for vertical loads that are being pushed and pulled, and generally they're not having a good time, right? Can I, can I say real quick, Yeah, in addition
0: to a welder, although welding you know, works for this too, I, I also use the oxyacetylene blowtorch a lot. And you'd be surprised by what a giant, heavy steel H-beam will do under heat. Like it will twist, it will turn. When you're putting that much heat on it, the thing no longer stays structurally as it's supposed to be. I've seen that in real
1: life. Yeah, I mean, she just goes. You know, it, it, yeah. it, Oh crap, I wasn't supposed to switch the slide. <laughs> and so at some point, you know, a few structural members go, one floor collapses into the one under it, and the top half of the building starts coming down, right? Each successive floor pancakes down onto the next one. Um and those floors aren't able to put up a lot of resistance to, you know, oh, well, just like a few 14, inches of concrete. Yeah, exactly. A few inches of concrete some shitty floor trusses. Not much resistance. Bunch of stockbrokers. There's yeah. not a lot
2: of resistance that, like, a stockbroker has to compression. Is the thing?
1: I'm they sure
0: uh, load-bearing stockbrokers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um, you know, the falling mass increases with each with each floor, right? The columns and trusses, of course. The columns themselves are misaligned at this point, so the columns are not really putting up any resistance. Um, they're unable to effectively impede the mass of the building. It's just 100 psf floor trusses which are resisting this whole building coming down. Um, at its fastest, one floor was collapsing into the next within a tenth of a second. And one thing is, uh, I just want to explain these, these are computer simulations here. Um, these are used, uh, done by something called finite element analysis. What you're looking at here is using uh, something called exaggerated deformation right when you do these sorts of computer simulations to illustrate what is happening usually the deformation is subtle enough that you can't effectively display it graphically without exaggerating it significantly right so if yeah, it's you're
2: difficult enough to see with the with the superimposed lines
1: yeah like these things are the, the, these things might fail you know when it's just out of alignment by a couple inches so when but the you-
0: twisting and the
1: deformation is
0: real yes That's really happening with all those
1: yeah so you know when it's a couple floors doing this um even if it doesn't look exactly like this it's still pretty bad
2: Yeah, and also it's fast enough that it's like only possible to reconstruct that it's like floors pancaking in each other, like from slowing down the footage a lot or from first principles, right? Like to anybody watching, it just looks like the whole thing comes down at once.
1: Yeah, and another thing is almost as if someone had
2: staged a series of explosives around each floor and so uh on and so on.
1: Uh, No spoilers, dude. Yeah. Another thing is like a lot of people say this uh, this building was designed to withstand the impact of a 707 which the engineers said it was engineers would never exaggerate here's the thing no. they did not have analytical methods to determine what that impact would be in the 1960s
2: no it's it's like <laughs> Liam saying that like he could fight Sean McCallum, like he doesn't <laughs> actually have an empirical basis for that. It's just something he's pretty confident about.
3: Simulation of Liam fighting uh, Sean I can do it. You have to like
2: exaggerate both Liam and Sean in order to like, uh, you know,
3: analyze this. We're both supposedly 6'2, Like he's he's. I'm sure got tiny little baby hands. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Like, there's so many variables there, like, maybe they were thinking like a 707, but it was on approach to an airport, so it was going slower, um, you know, and they also would've been like, okay, this is a point load applied to one part of the building, we have to consider that.
2: probably not, like, full of fuel, Mm -hmm. uh, also, like, airlines did get, airliners did get heavier, is the thing. Yes.
1: This building could withstand a 707 impacting it, assuming the 707 was... Spherical with a uniformly distributed mass.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Assuming a perfectly circular hijacker.
1: Yes. (laughs) All right. So when these buildings came down, it was the floors that went first, right? And we can sort of see this through how it collapsed, right? Mm, It
2: goes in a wave, right? It goes top down and then part way up, it starts going bottom up too.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Yes. Um, So the top comes down, but it's mainly the floors doing the work, right? Which is why you see very large pieces of facade, largely intact, that landed around the site, right? And you can also see pieces of facade which were in free fall well past, you know, the actual front of the collapse. Because the floors impacted themselves, the facade stayed intact because it was the main structural part until. The top part of the building came down and sheared them off, right? And actually, the core stayed intact of at least one of these buildings, like, 25 seconds after the main... the floors had all collapsed. Oh, wow. <laughs> I would I would throw some video in here, but I've given up on putting video on these, because we keep getting copyright strikes.
3: Um... I'll tell you, I don't need to see video of it again.
1: To be quite
3: honest.
0: And also, YouTube watchers are very rational, reasonable people. They can just imagine this happening and they'll agree with uh, this assessment of it.
3: Yes. So just visualize 9 11. Yes. (laughs) Go to 9 11 in your mind. (laughs) Go to whatever the opposite of a happy place is.
1: (laughs) So these buildings collapse. Are you
2: done done visualizing 9 11?
1: Good. Let's move (laughs) on. These buildings collapse from the inside out. Um, now we have to talk about conspiracies, right? Mm-hmm. We're not a yes. cons- we're not a conspiracy podcast. I don't like conspiracies. I think they're counterproductive to um, no. uh, but like I, just I, I, psychologically,
2: generals. yeah, psychologically, they're a way of explaining how something uh, like how just an atrocity actually yeah. happened, like- which
1: is true. Um, yes. Well,
2: That's true. Every conspiracy theory about Italy is true, but 9-11 did not happen in Italy. Yeah, Yeah, no. Conspiracy theory is just a way of explaining how something that profoundly affects your life, and like, has a lot of meaning, can't just be random. JFK can't just get shot by some guy. It has to be the mob and the CIA and so on and so on and so on. And so, like, 19 assholes can't just murder 3,000 people and, like, change the entire course of history. It has to be the feds or Mossad or whatever.
0: I, I'm my I'm personally I'm an agnostic on a lot of conspiracy theories, but I think mm. we always need to be careful. So I think that you know true things like Gladio do exist. We always have to be careful to attribute things to agency that we should be attributing them to structures. Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well, what's the materialist explanation for 9/11? It's well uh, the Reagan Doctrine, and then uh, the fall of the Soviet Union, and uh, just arming and funding whoever—like that's that's the conspiracy, right? It's like that—that that was an illicit series of acts. It's like that's not something you need to theorize.
1: I I, I am fine with saying Bush did nine eleven. To be honest, I'm fine with that. But the materialist yeah. and structural explanations we're gonna get through here, but in a literal sense, not in a not not in a structure in terms of like economic structure yeah, or whatever but
2: bush yeah. bush himself either of them did yeah. not like uh go there, go there with a hatchet and start knocking down
0: beams But, uh, and Dick Cheney didn't uh, take the Flight 93 passengers off the jet that landed in uh, Kansas or whatever and
1: just shoot them one by one person. They weren't secret missiles. Amy McGrath shot down Flight 93.
0: Right. Amy McGrath did it. And Dick Cheney is part of an entire systemic looting and destruction of human life and society, anyways, that comes out of being the vice president of the United States. You don't need him to be personally executing people on the runway in order for him to be in some way complicit in 9-11. Yes. Pretty gruesomely evil, yeah, exactly. Mm
1: -hmm. That'd be pretty funny if he did, though. (laughs) He stole one of their hearts. We
2: we, we know Dick Cheney didn't kill any of the victims of 9-11, because he didn't demand that they apologize to him like that (laughs) friend of his he shot.
1: Let, (laughs) Let me tell you about controlled demolition, right? Speak your truth,
0: Justin. This is- Mm -hmm. all
1: right. so, controlled demolition is like the big 9-11 conspiracy theory. Bush put bombs in the towers, or whatever, right, um, while he was twirling his mustache and bringing up big crates of Axme uh, sticks of dynamites, right? So there's a few specious pieces of evidence which support this, which we'll get into, but let's talk about how controlled demolition works. Controlled demolition. A lot of times, people say this is a building implosion, right? But it's not. It's not an implosion. There's a small set of shaped charges, right? They're made out of high velocity explosives. They cut critical structural members, which usually means almost all the structural members, and gravity does the rest of the work, right? Usually, it's use... actually what
2: Ramsey Youssef was trying to do, just no. not successfully.
1: Yeah, <laughs> usually used. Well, he would have used multiple truck bombs if he wanted to make it work.
2: Hmm. Not to well, give him tips or anything while he's in Supermax, but... Well, he's not exactly about to take down three, the
1: World Trade out. Centers. <laughs> Someone else did that. <laughs> Mission
0: accomplished, if you yeah. will. So usually
1: mm. you're using plasticized explosion, uh, or plasticized explosives, right? RDX, you know, C4, the plastic explosive stuff like that. That lets you oh, shape. You mean that stuff
2: the- that's easy to detect?
1: Yes. So it lets you use less explosive overall. It lets you shape the charges. It lets you produce less noise, which is very important, right? Your high velocity explosives produce those very sharp, short booms, right? as opposed to, you know, a bomb, which would do a big, loud kaboom. Right. Like the Bay explosion. Yeah. Which would then shatter windows, cause widespread damage, so on and so forth, right? Because you want to prevent damage in adjacent buildings. You want gravity to do the work, so most of the blasting happens at lower floors, right? Um, Sometimes you might do blasting on upper floors if you need to bring down the building in a certain pattern if there's a confined space, which you know there usually is, but of course World Trade Centers came down in an extremely sloppy fashion. So you would think they would do the blasting at the lower floors. Right. Um this this is a picture of the Queen Lane apartments. This is a controlled demolition I worked on. Um well congrats Mazeltov. <laughs> uh-huh. shot it Yes, it was me. I tore down public housing. Um, so, so you can sort of see here. Here's part part of the building's coming down here, right? Because they took down the columns here, um, and usually you bring it down sort of one set of columns at a time. That way, the building starts to sort of lean into itself, and that helps it fall into its own footprint, right? Right. Now, your, your, your prep work is, a lot of times, very long, extensive, and complex, right? And it was, um, you know, you remove facade materials, remove all the windows, right? You strip the building down as much as possible so you know absolutely what it'll do when you blow it up, right? You apply the charges, a lot of times there's a bunch of protective, like, tarps you put around the, uh the explosives in order to ensure that like the the explosion only happens on the column yeah. and it doesn't really you, like.
2: you you want to remove the like brokerage firms um and like arbitrage offices well, that those kind of get in the way of your explosives and the tops and things of that nature you want to get so,
0: all the job liquidation
1: assets out of there i there. ideally you blow up the building when there's no one in there
3: I well, like ideally, like sometimes you've just got it. Well, guy hasn't moved. And you're like, fuck it. We said nine a.m. We meant nine a.m.
0: All
2: right. Hey, so listen, there's a whistle. There's a horn. On. Yeah, at some
0: point, it's on you. One of those. Is got you know, one of those 19th century boxes, like from the cartoons? You press down on.
1: When I okay, I worked on this project. Um, I was I, I was put in charge of like I guess basically doing a lot of public outreach on this which involved uh I worked for PHA at the time I didn't work for controlled demolition controlled demolition did the demolition right my my job was to like you know do a bunch of maps showing where the um you know where where people shouldn't be and where you were going to inhale a lot of dust if you were if you were nearby um and then there were some groups who were charged with like trying to persuade residents to evacuate around the demolition uh, determine who could not evacuate, and then there was this third group, which was like, you can evacuate, and what we're gonna do is we're going to bring around a judge who will issue a writ of eviction on site, um, so the police can come take you out of your house and put you away for an hour and a half while we, um, demolish this building. (laughs)
3: Congratulations, Roz. This is your fault.
1: I listen. I was not around when the building actually came down. Um... Mm, mm, way to pass that blame, <laughs> buddy. Yeah. No. These 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 demolitions, like, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens around them. You know, it's like literally we have you had to evict residents in the surrounding blocks, um, just just so no one would get hit with debris which might happen didn't happen though
0: it was a very controlled enterprise this is uh very logistically complicated
1: there's a lot of people on it well the fact you had to get a judge involved to just you know hand people evictions and two hour evictions not like an actual eviction it's just like you can't be here for two hours it's a bizarre profession there's there's very few people who do this job, because there aren't too many controlled demolitions. It's usually like a, a certain height of building, right? Um, I believe the tallest building that's ever been ex- or explosively Implosibly. demolished was the Hudson Department Store in Detroit, right? And they had to do all kinds of strange prep to it. They had to actually fill all its basement levels with dirt. Because Jesus. if the building collapsed into its basement, it would knock down the buildings across the street. Oh,
0: right. <laughs> nice. Makes sense.
1: Sometimes they do kind of goofy stuff for movies, which is fun. They do like pyrotechnics, they take buildings down in weird ways. You know, they, they do that in Las Vegas a lot. Um, yeah, stunt building. Yes. The biggest piece of evidence for me that this was not a controlled demolition other than the fact that it would be logistically impossible to rig these buildings for demolition with no one noticing, is that the collapse started where the plane hit the building, right? And not from the bottom, which is where you would start one of these. So you could do Alleged plane. (laughs) No. The hologram hit- Yeah. Yeah. The the holographic plane hit the building there, and then (laughs) it started from there, and that's how- oh my god, I did not even know where to start anymore. Just as an engineer, this whole thing just throws you for a loop, huh? I, I, And it's like, well, it was a hologram of a plane. Well, then they put the explosives up there, I guess, as opposed to where they would logically put them. Unless it was a hologram of an expl- You might as well make the whole building a hologram <laughs> at that point. We're now getting <laughs> you know, into the, 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 the Jean Baudrillard existed. thing. Yeah, 9 11 didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> as a fan of time hypothesis, the earth is flat. Quantum mechanics on that shit. Oh my god! So a lot of conspiracy theorists disagree. Like, no steel frame skyscraper had collapsed because of fire before the World Trade Center did. Well,
2: crucially, nobody had flown an airliner into one before. Yes, like, granted, they flew a small bomber into the the Empire State Building, but like the Empire State Building also it had a bigger, bigger core. Yeah. It was like, uh, it was a smaller plane. Um, Entirely
1: yeah. different structural system, well, yes. It wasn't going
2: as
0: fast, it was like mm-hmm. lost in fog.
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah, they are going pretty slow. It's much, much, much smaller plane. And then there was that one guy who flew a Cessna
2: into the IRS building, but like, come on man, it's a Cessna.
0: <laughs> oh, look at this website. I, uh, Justin, I did spend some research time here myself, I read this entire PDF.
1: I... I didn't read the entire pdf, I, I didn't realize they had a 50 page pdf until just before <laughs> I am events. not a crackpot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did look at the goddamn architects and engineers for 9-11 truth page.
3: Huge mistake. Huge mistake.
1: All I can say is, like, 33 thousand plus people with PEs and a, AIAs believe this shit. I mean
2: you get you get like anti-vax doctors and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know, you can be good at some stuff and then also really dumb. I I don't know how else to explain it.
1: No. Education doesn't work. No. Um all right, so we're gonna look at some of the, the evidence. Uh there's the lobby explosions, the squibs, concrete pulverization is a big one, logistics of Bush secretly putting bombs in the towers, and of course the thermite. Um One of the things I said is, um, for months after September 11th, the investigators were unable to persuade FEMA to uh, obtain basic data, like detailed blueprints of the buildings that collapsed. Um... Sure. You're telling
2: me that FEMA is, like, negligent? I mean... I don't know what you're talking about.
1: One of the things about buildings, right, (laughs) is that we 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 talked about the as-built earlier here's the as-built rant the as-builts are essentially the blueprints right they're not What's blue anymore right um here's a sense of as-builts i had to work Ooh, with photocopy burn uh when when i was still working at, at one of my earlier jobs right one of the earliest subjects philosophers pondered was the nature oh boy. of knowledge right
3: completely oh, <laughs> <geez, laughs> epistemology
1: yes what can Behold, we know?
2: Plato's World Trade Center.
3: <laughs> Did you pay for the license for that World Trade Center?
1: <laughs> what do we know? What can we know? Can we know that we know? Is knowledge possible? This is called a, I'm a be, epistemology. Known,
0: knowns, known unknowns, and there's unknown unknowns.
3: That's, right. That's a wise yes. man once said. Yes. Yes sean rumsfeld i believe was his name <laughs> sean where were you uh in early 2000 i did the list of suspects I have seen sean and saddam hussein in the same room at the same time <laughs> That's
1: all I, all i gotta say is put a pin in me okay modern construction has settled these questions once and for all the only thing we can know is that we know nothing <laughs> After the work of architects, structural engineers, mechanical engineers, contractors, subcontractors, and dozens of project managers come together, there are two distinct end products. The building, and the as-built documents, showing how the building was finally built. And they bear a tenuous relationship at best. They sure as fuck do. Go off, go off, King. As built documents display for all to see our lack of knowledge of our own creations. And as (laughs) such, to hide our shame, we usually store them in a rusty filing cabinet, under a leaky water heater, in a locked closet to which only two people have the keys, both of whom are retired. Then, (laughs) ten years later, when some major alteration or renovation occurs... These waterlogged documents are removed from their prison, scanned, saved as a low-resolution PDF, and handed <laughs> off to an intern, to clean up the photocopier burn as best they can, so design work can commence. Sounds like Justin might have been that guy at one point. Contractors are given these designs and then throw them out, and work from actual <laughs> field conditions, requesting change orders as needed, and cursing design professionals all the while. Once the work is substantially complete, design professionals return to survey the work completed and create a new set of as belts built Ooh. based on the original photocopied set. And the cycle continues. Yes. Can, can I tell an as built story? Yes,
0: please. We were building a, uh, this was six, seven years ago at this point, we we're building a um, new hotel slash regi- residential, right by the Staten Island Ferry on the Staten Island side. And it was a complicated job because we had to do the foundation around the Staten Island Railroad, which ran under this property. So there was a bunch of piles drilled and whatever. There was just like a, a whole bunch of shit. But one of the things that had to be done was a ton of tiebacks. Justin, what's a tieback?
1: Tieback is when you, um, you're, you're, you're throwing a cable back to hold a retaining wall, Right.
0: Thank you. Yes. yes. So we're throwing cables back to hold a retaining wall, and that involves drilling into the ground. When the contractor looked at the as-built, they said, oh, this drill rig here can clearly, with no problem, with no danger whatsoever, drill into the soil of Staten Island in this area because this high-tension power line running under the ground is about 10, 15 feet away from where we're building, where the as-built, sa- as-built says it was. We're working on like a Tuesday morning and all of a sudden the fucking stoplights and all the lights around us go off. And we see this one guy in the, uh, in, uh, an operator in the, um, operators union, just like shitting his pants. And we realized that that as built was horribly tragically wrong. And he had drilled with his drill rig directly into half of the power for downtown Staten Island. I don't oh know how many volts were in that fucking machine <laughs> and all the guys standing in it. And because we were drilling piles too, there was fucking water everywhere. People were standing in puddles. But thank God nobody actually got hurt on that. But essentially, Asbuilt almost killed like 15, 20 people because it said the line was in one place and it ended up being the other. So fuck Asbuilt, man. So why are you going to call 811?
1: Yeah, 811 has the fucking ass belts. <laughs> 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 that's one of the weird things. I, I know the Philadelphia Water Department has legendarily accurate uh, maps of un- underground utilities, which is why the city is trying to privatize it all the time. Ooh, um,
3: <laughs> they will never, ever succeed in privatizing it. Ever, ever. The city is mean, in the pocket of big broke, filing cabinet. Because we, we live in hell, but like Philly Water is amazing because it's impossible to open an account there. Like Philly Water actively just does not want your money. They might want your <laughs> landlord's money, but they don't want you to pay them. Cool. So, like, it's impossible to like set up an account or close an account. So, I think everyone in Philly is just sort of stuck in this hell where sometimes we just send Philly Water like 90 bucks every so often. And I assume they just spend it on like, you know, weed, maybe they go to
2: dinner or whatever. Extremely <laughs> accurate subsurface mapping.
1: I've n- yeah. I've never paid That's for water perfect. in this city. Invisible yeah. Service. Yeah. <laughs> My god. So yeah, as-builts are useless. This is uh, an example of an as-built I was provided, you can see a wide variety of lines that should be there, which are not. Um, you can see... <laughs> Miles photocopier burns. Lines
2: that should not be that are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I
1: believe that the date on this uh, document is 1930-something. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: That's that good old school photocopier burn.
0: Yes. All, all the drunk people that made that site are long dead. You can't even ask them?
3: Well, the, oh no, they're still around. You could go ask old Jim where he put the power lines. The,
1: people, <laughs> the building itself looks very good, I will say that. Some people may be able to identify it, I'm not going to identify it on the podcast, because I don't want terrorists to take this um, document yeah. and figure out the lighting profile of the 24th floor of Suburban Station. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Names have been
2: changed to protect the guilty. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is a urban station, Yeah, urban,
1: urban station.
0: urban-type station.
1: <laughs> so... Alright. So... We're back to a slide we already showed. One of the 9-11 conspiracies, right, was that there were a couple of explosions in the basement and on a few floors, including the lobby and sky lobbies, which occurred after the plane hit. Or, depending on who you ask, before the plane hit, right? And the official explanation for this is either you don't acknowledge it, or you say, There was some jet fuel that poured down the elevator shafts and it ignited, which caused explosions further down the building, right? Some people think this is kind of unlikely. Was there really that much jet fuel, or did Bush put some bombs in the towers, right?
2: Well, like I, I put this in, but remember that in 1993, the same fucking thing oh, so happened that, yeah. in reverse. Yeah, where you yeah. yeah. had an explosion in the basement and it just sent smoke up.
1: Yeah, exactly. It makes a lot of sense if a building goes through. Uh, excuse me, if, if if a building goes through the planes. No, if a plane goes through the tower, it's, I don't, yeah, it's, just 9/11. extreme just cop oh, mindset nine no. eleven hijackers.
2: Like uh the the building was involved in a, in a plane involved crashing. I was in fear for my life. I had to like fly the plane into it. Had a gun.
1: I forgot I was gonna say something back when we were looking at the um the fireproofing that was shit, which is Those buildings, no angels. A back. All, all buildings are cursed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you get a plane that crashes through the buildings, right? She dumps a whole shitload of jet fuel over several floors, that will go down a couple of elevator shafts, that'll hit the sky lobby first, right? Um, that'll also hit the uh, elevator that goes down to the main lobby, right? A proletarian elevator. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That'll also probably hit the service area, uh, elevator. Setting off goes...
2: all of the thermite that's stored in there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right. Um, and, you know, this fuel, it may not be much, but it will be certainly pretty well atomized, you'll have a good fuel-air mixture to cause a real big boom, right? And it's being mm-hmm. confined by... drywall. Um. <laughs>
0: Oh, so it comes down, and then when it's actually released into the air, it explodes.
1: Yes, exactly. and like it it's not any longer. That makes sense. So yeah, it'll cause some big explosions further down the tower. The other thing is like, it wasn't like everyone was killed in these various areas. It was like there's a big boom, lots of stuff was disheveled. So yeah, if if and the other thing is like, if this was because Bush put bombs in the towers, they didn't work. Because you know, presumably you would want below grade yeah, explosives. Planes,
3: allegedly, the plane's insurance policy.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, bombs actually holograms. Planes and the bombs were holograms. Okay, yes. You know, th- th- these bombs didn't work because it would have taken down the towers. Like, is there no reason to weaken structural members underneath where the plane crashed? Which comes what like three us-
0: four hours before it falls. Like, just yeah. have some red s explosion.
1: Brings us to our next one, this is a picture from Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. Um. Oh, fuck. Which are squibs. Not like the Matt Christman complaining on live stream squibs with, uh, but the, um, squibs which are explosions of debris, which, um, are the result of explosives in the towers, right? Uh, which are
2: just placed randomly... Uh, always conveniently like a few floors below the like collapse
1: yeah so these are supposed to be puffs of smoke from explosives which are detonating further down in the towers right um so there's a couple things which we have to look at here um, one of which is something called detonation velocity right um detonation velocity is sort of the speed at which an explosive explodes, right? In a mo- in the most literal sense. This is why when there was that big explosion in Beirut, um, some internet nerds were immediately able to look at it, get sort of a bearing on the distance and the time, and they're like, yep, that's ammonium nitrate, all right. Because that's a known detonation velocity, right? So if you look at these squibs on video, um, there's sort of like a sort of slow expulsion of debris, that then gets faster, then it gets slower. Again, I gave up putting video in here because it was too goddamn difficult. Um, I hate to get uh, sued by Loose Change dot uh, Loose Change
0: LLC
3: dot Net dot <laughs> Net dot <Or whatever. laughs> They have an Earthlink email address, but they are very serious about copyright. They're very litigious.
1: This is for educational purposes. We are fine. Uh,
3: <laughs> I thought this was for parody purposes.
1: Both.
0: This whole episode's satirical. Yes. By now, That's right?
1: No, actually, we do think Bush put bombs in the towers. Yes. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> so wait, were you saying that to ensure that it's parody?
1: Yeah, uh, he's twirling his mustache. He's bringing the button. Okay. Anyway.
0: <laughs> so... Oh, traffic bombs, yes,
1: go on. This does not indicate, like, any kind of high-velocity explosive, this indicates that there's some pressure pushing down from, like, say, floors collapsing inside the towers, there's a bunch of air that rushes out the path of least resistance, which turned out to be the one window that had a slightly bad installation. Right? hmm You know, because if it were an actual explosive, it would start out fast, and then go slow as opposed to start out slow, then go fast, then go slow. Right? And they also don't ex- they don't follow any pattern you would expect for controlled explosions. If you're gonna take out columns in order to allow this to proceed unimpeded, you don't take out one or two random columns in this building with a million columns on every side, You take out the whole damn row. Save on explosives. (laughs) It's neoliberal terrorism. Right. So, so, okay, yeah, it was terrorism, it just didn't work. The the planes did the job. The planes did it. This is the main argument.
0: (laughs) Added to suspect list. (laughs) They put in redundancy just in case.
1: Yeah, they put in really shitty redundancy.
0: We
2: just do the Eustacha thing, which is Bush was trying to blow up the towers, and then coincidentally, 9 11 happened.
0: That's kind of how I feel uh, JFK happened, but that's. that's (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yeah,
2: you just have some like CIA mafia team sighting him up, and then his head fucking explodes anyway.
0: That's like the Don DeLillo theory, if anyone's. Oh, yeah, Libra, Libra, yeah. Yeah,
1: great book. Here's. Here's one, which I always thought was a little bizarre. One thing which I've never quite figured out whether it's indication of it was a controlled demolition, or is also not indication that it's a controlled demolition, which is that the towers were in free fall the entire time they came down. Right? Oh yeah, that's what you get,
2: like, dudes measuring the, like, falling speed and, like, slow-mo on, like, early YouTube.
1: Yes. Now, the biggest hole in this theory is that the towers did not come down in free fall. (sighs) Yeah. A lot of- every floor absorbed kinetic energy from the floor falling behind it, or on top of it, right? This whole mass then kept coming down and down and down, again, pancaking, right? Every time the next collapse took shorter than the last one, right? But it still- was not enough to arrest the collapse of the building, right? There's a, a man named Dr. Frank Greening who did a paper on this that I'll link in the description. He does a lot of really extensive calculations involving energy and mass, right? And how much it would affect the velocity of the collapsing section of the building. Um, and the timing of the collapse was estimated by local seismometers, right? The First World Trade Center fell in 12.6 seconds, right? The second one fell in 11.5 seconds. Free fall. Once from again, just
2: th- visualize 9-11. Mm-hmm.
1: Free fall from the top of the building would be... Go to your 9-11 place and imagine this happening. Yes. <laughs> if you drop something off the top of the building, free fall would be 9.1 seconds, right? And this is... Complex and annoying calculations, but the overall energy that collapsed would have been about 272 tons of TNT, or about a quarter of a small atomic bomb, right? How much nanothermite, though? Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Put away your graphing calculator, I'm joking.
1: (laughs) So the other thing is, like, is this enough to pulverize all the concrete in the building, which is one of the big... One of the big conspiracies, like, oh, there were no big chunks of concrete in the uh in the debris. And it's like, well, you know, as we There wasn't discussed, that much concrete yeah, in the building. Not that, mu- not that much concrete in the building. Yeah. I, it was all drywall. <laughs> eight inches of uh concrete
0: with like presumably wire mesh just to hold it together.
1: Yeah. And it's like,
2: yeah, it it is there. It's just in a like a single pancake layer with a bunch of like dead firefighters sandwiched in between it. Like Great. Cool.
1: It's mostly just completely just pulverized into dust. Yeah. Just by the energy of this collapse.
0: Um, I don't know if this even needs to be said, but as again, somebody that works with a lot of like finished concrete too, like I don't know if people need to hear that concrete will pulverize really easily, but it does. <laughs> it's not going to hold together all that great if you got the force of a building coming down on it.
3: But anyway. Right. Simply fair, don't worry about it. Are- I'm not going to hold up too well. Yeah, if the building's coming down, it's the building's coming down. Yeah, yeah. You know what else isn't going to hold up to that force is me. Or organs, yeah. Yeah.
1: Or stockbrokers, for that matter. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Load-bearing (laughs) stockbrokers.
1: Another question is, how difficult is it to rig up a building with explosives, right? Is there like a precedent for a job this big being done in secret? Which, funnily enough, there kinda is. Um, I love it. Go on. In 1978, a college student at Princeton University realized that, owing to the recently completed Citicorp centers, that's this guy here, uh, very strange structural design, it was more heavily affected by quartering winds than perpendicular wind loads. Which are the usual load case engineers test it for, right, quartering winds is when it comes at the building diagonally as opposed to perpendicular against the wall right now since during the construction of this building bethlehem steel had managed to uh sub out welded connections for bolted sure, connections sure sure smith the building was significantly weaker than expected and you know, it's just out an entire
0: work process and make a different one happen <laughs>
1: Love to see that. <laughs> they found out that about a uh, 16 year storm, assuming the power went out and the tuned mass damper stopped working, a 16 year storm might just knock the building clean over. Um, <laughs> cool. So, for about three months, construction crews entered the building after the office workers went home. They welded plates over the bolted connections. And they, you know, they left before office workers came in the next day, right? Um, the, the, the engineers uh, discussed evacuation plans with city officials. The city government almost went through with them because Hurricane Ella looked like it was about to hit New York City before the work was done, but it veered out to sea. This was in 1978. This, it, this was kind of secret. But you had a huge number of guys involved with the work, right? It was kinda of like, if someone asked, like, uh, hey, what are you doing? It's like, I, I'm doing reinforcement work, cause they fucked up the building. Oh, okay. Um.
2: <laughs> hmm. It's like, it's not public knowledge, necessarily, but it's, like, professional knowledge.
1: Yeah, it's not like, it's not like something, it's not like you're doing something bad. You're just trying not no, to tell anyone about it
0: hurt certain people. What exactly is you're doing? And they don't ask because they're accountants, and they just go home at five o'clock, and then you come in, and then you leave in the morning. Yeah, you probably get a nice chunk of overtime out of it too.
1: Yeah, exactly. You get a shitload of overtime. You gonna talk to anyone, so th- no one knew about this until 1995 when the New Yorker wrote a story about it. Right? Uh, there's also a press strike at the time, which helped a bunch.
3: Hmm. Still, That's
1: though, successful right
2: successful conspiracy to do the opposite of demolishing a building.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I I mean, if you're keeping something which is slightly unethical but beneficial to the public uh, secret, I think that's maybe not so hard. But if you're trying to get the same amount of people to put bombs in the building, um, yeah, like, uh, uh, how many, like, Sean, how many construct, how bad the
2: construction workers hate stockbrokers that you could convince all of them to be like, yeah, we're just gonna kill all of these guys. Also, probably a bunch of firefighters and cops and shit. Uh, don't, don't tell anybody, though.
0: Uh, all I gotta say is, like, when you were knocking off at, like, 30, 9 o'clock, and walking down the stairs, and the stockbrokers were walking up the stairs, a lot of them would have been fucking shoulder checked. It would have been a messy fucking scene, and there's no way that some <laughs> guy would have yelled in the other's face, like, Listen, you cocksucker, I'm putting together so you could fucking live. I'm welding gusto plates on there. Fuck you, buddy. Fuck you. You can't imagine it happening in a calm and orderly fashion. Fuck those guys. Fuck the individual stockbrokers that worked in the city court building back in the 1970s. Fuck them.
2: Yeah. If you're listening to this and you worked in the city court building as a fuck stockbroker, you. fuck you.
1: Oh, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> always so i mean but for bush to put bombs in the towers you need to find a couple hundred workers who are just a-okay with cramming an occupied building full of explosives and also even if you find that many unethical people you need to also make sure they're not worried about liability in any fashion right you'd have to pay me triple time at least <laughs> you to, yeah i was and you to stop
2: say, anybody from finding the explosives Mm-hmm. Or noticing that, like, you and your guys are, like, coming into their offices and moving shit around and putting shit on columns.
1: Yeah, and, like, probably coming down in the swing stage on the outside of the building to do the outside mm-hmm. of the column. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I
0: get into the conspiracy shit real quick? Because I watched fucking um, Loose Change, the one that came mm-hmm. out, like, it's, like, the, the most recent one, like, the final loose change that came out.
3: How are there like six versions of this fucking
0: movie?
1: I didn't you realize, realize there was more than one. I only watched one of them.
0: They yeah, keep People keep debunking
3: them. Yeah.
1: They keep yeah, finding right. more change in their pockets.
0: Tons of change. More change than you could even fucking imagine. Just I'm digging watching into, this into the sofa in anticipation of this. And you know, like normally with conspiracy theories, you just kind of like let them wash over you. You know, you're watching and you're like, oh yeah, maybe that checks out. Maybe this checks out. But there was this whole segment in that movie. It wasn't long. It was like just a few minutes. But they're like, (laughs) one of the commercial residents of the World Trade Center was a company called Turner Construction. Turner Construction was connected to George W. Bush. And they were also connected to the National Institute of Safety and Testing or whatever it's called. And I'm looking at this, having worked for Turner Construction before. I literally did a job for Turner. They're this like, yeah, nine
1: eleven.
0: <laughs> they're like one of like, there's like Turner and Skanska and Saudi Bin Laden Group are like the biggest fucking ones mm-hmm. in the entire world. And this idea that they're trying to make these connections between Turner Construction and the NIST and like the the like George Bush's family. It's like, oh. Good job, guys! You like you came up, you discovered the idea of there being a ruling class. Yeah, like, of course, the <laughs> CEO yeah. of Turner Construction knows George W. Bush because they are part of the capitalist class. They fucking rule us. But it was like done in this sort of nefarious way, or- way which was supposed to think that Turner because they had a spot in the building, they were part of like contracting out, putting in the nanothermite or whatever. It's like it's not that complicated, okay? The ruling class sticks around; they all know each other, and if you're like. At Turner Construction, of course, you're you're you've institutionally captured the NIST and have like a lot of power over that. It's not fucking complicated. You don't need a conspiracy.
1: Yeah, I was about to say Turner is a big fucking firm. You know, it's like you know they're into the only the only bigger ones are like uh, Bechtel and like I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. All the ones Econ. in the
0: Iraq War, like yeah, um, yeah, Saudi Laden, Brown or, yeah. And <laughs> Halliburton. Yeah.
2: Halliburton. Yeah, I guess the point is that like you don't need uh, uh th- there there can be a conspiracy, but it's not a conspiracy to do nine eleven. It's just to yeah. like make a, as much money as possible and like secure their class position,
0: secure the bag. Yeah, exactly. That's the the bag full of ther- nanothermite. <laughs> That's the structural shit I was talking about before. Like you don't need to impute agency to these Turner executives, like sneaking a bunch of us up there at night to try to put in this thermite when they were simply taking a contract, you know, and they simply stayed in the building and they simply knew other members of the ruling class, not complicated.
1: Which is where we get to our next subject. I swear to God, we're getting close to the end. Thermite. One of the problems for the conspiracy theorists is that there wasn't any explosive residue at the site that might be left by RDX, or other blasting materials, which is...
2: Which, as we said, easy to detect, oh, yeah. those whole RDX piles were guys. like... <laughs> climbed all over by every, like, explosives detection dog in half of the US.
3: I like the idea that a plane did hit the World Trade Center, but it was that whatever Iranian F-16 that ended up on the side of the hill in Italy.
4: Yeah. <laughs> or uh, <laughs> Libya. Libyan plane, getting yeah. really
2: lost.
1: The explanation is that th- these buildings were taken down by thermite, you know, noted explosive thermite, right? And thermite is made out of iron oxide and aluminum powder, there's some variations on this, right? Both of which are found in quantity at the collapse site, on account of the building being made of steel with aluminum cladding. This making it the perfect crime.
2: you <laughs> <laughs> shot with an ice bullet. Yes.
0: So the big problem here Moses built, built the explosives into the building. That's what it was.
1: Even if they did that, I don't think they could have cut the columns with thermite. Uh, <laughs> one of the problems is that thermite is not an explosive. Thermite is a powder that burns very, very hot, right? Hot enough that it can melt steel. Yes. But you need a hell of a lot of it to melt the steel, Right especially if you're melting it for the intention of cutting it. It's very, very good at welding, and that's one of its most common use. They use it to weld railroad tracks, right? Um, but if you want to, if you want to cut the steel, you need, you, you need a huge quantity of thermite per the amount of, like, area you want to cut through, Right.
0: It would be the equivalent, like, instead of using it, because we we cut steel with oxy, right, oxy-acetylene, you would need to put the thermite on top and let it, like, work its way through Yeah, you would, you
1: would need to, like, build, like, a big hopper, right, uh, around yeah. the column. And, of course, these are the exterior columns, so they're hollow, right? Right. And then you fill that hopper with thermite. This is my best approximation. A couple people have tried to prove this, and they're like actual 9-11 conspiracy theorists, and they've all screwed up, um, mm-hmm. and none of it worked. And a lot of times they're doing horizontal columns and not vertical ones. Um, and the vertical column is particularly difficult, because the worst- what you might wind up doing is just this entire thermite, you know, it melts. It adheres to the outside of the column and suddenly instead oh, of made
2: the building stronger. Yes. We've just added an extra. Yes, exactly.
1: Well. That's what
0: you'd wind up doing. The opposite nine eleven.
1: <laughs> reverse nine eleven. <laughs> the tower's just got ten stories taller. <laughs>
2: You just badly inconvenience the FDNY because they have to recruit like a hundred more firefighters to just appear.
0: I'm looking at the, the hopper idea and I, I believe you that this is the best idea for it. And the idea of just like while well, you're you're pouring thermite into it and then letting it go through the column on the outside, you're like directing it downwards into one place. Couldn't it also flow through the hopper and then just like Uh, Whatever. You
1: would also need like a magnesium strip here. You'd have to ignite with some kind of electric igniter, right? And magnesium. Yeah, you
2: see a guy going round on like the swing stage with a lighter. (laughs) No, that's the other (laughs) thing. You
1: would have to get access to the outside of the building with a swing stage or something like that in order to get this thing installed.
0: I didn't see any of those on the outside of the building in the video, wouldn't you see like a little thermite hopper, like on the outside? uh,
1: I would assume it would fit inside the cladding, but you would've also seen a bunch of window washers taking off the cladding.
2: (laughs) A bunch (laughs) of CIA window washers
1: base jumping to safety. Are there (laughs) enough CIA guys who are are brave enough to get in a swing stage?
4: (laughs) <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> oh shit, okay, so we're, we're, we're punching a bunch of holes in the yeah.
1: thermite. That's more holes than the thermite would punch in the steel.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's either not happening, or you're
0: adding floors to the building. Okay, so what if, what if, instead of
2: thermite, you use the thermite but it behaves the way I want it to? <laughs> 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 yes, nanothermite.
1: nanothermite. All right, <laughs> so this is a real material. It's a real thing that exists. Okay. And that's what Bush put in the towers when he was twirling his evil villain mustache, right?
2: It was nanothermite. I
1: we've had time. So-
2: he was the president, man, People oh, yeah. were f- <laughs> he had a <laughs> schedule, people were following him around with cameras, the Secret <laughs> Service was there, how would he take the time off to go to New York, go to the Fortress Center, <laughs> this theory, no, I don't think it's very serious, I don't think George W. Bush, while being the president, commuted to his second job of putting nanothermite in the... <laughs> it was Jeb. Okay. He, he,
1: if jeb did it jeb did 9-11 <laughs> even,
0: even if you don't go the like reductum ad absurdum um, you know route here and say that bush himself did it regardless if anybody if they uh, if they contracted it out to turner construction international it would be a lot of work it would be like noticeable work a lot of work and really hard and complicated work to do
1: and no one's ever taken down a building with thermite. A lot of buildings have been taken down with, uh, high-velocity explosives. Which is why nanothermite comes in here. Nanothermite is an actual material, the idea is you make the particles of iron oxide and aluminum oxide very, very, very small, that's why it's nano. Some people also call it super-thermite, right? And that increases the rate of reaction, so you get an actual explosion, as opposed to a, um... A slow but very hot burn, right? And that would also mean less thermite would need to be used. So here's the big problem with that. No one's been able to synthesize nanothermite in quantities higher than, like, two or three grams. Even yeah, somebody said the, the CIA. <clears throat>
2: yes, obviously. They've just got a dumpster full of that stuff, and they're just <laughs> wheeling it in.
1: <laughs> even to this day. No one's figured out how to synthesize it.
0: And just the entire black budget of the CIA is going to producing five tons of super They're, th- still, they're right. still paying
1: yeah. off those debts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can do this, but they can't prevent an F117 from being shot down by a Serbian baker. Um, <laughs> So yeah, this this material it exists, it's real, but like no one can figure out how to synthesize it, and that's why I my what I say is like thermite is to 9-11 conspiracies as adrenochrome is to QAnon, right? (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) It's like a fairly simple and common substance which has been assigned magic properties, right? Adrenochrome is actually just uh, oxidized adrenaline, which can be. Has been since synthesized in labs for over a hundred years now. By the way, uh, you don't have to get it from a child's uh, adrenal gland. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, Sound like an infomercial there, just cracking open a child? And you're like, if only there was a better way.
1: Yes, there is a better way. <laughs> now we have to get to Building Seven. It's the reason I mm. kept this short because I knew it was going to go this fucking long. <laughs> building
0: Seven, though that that is like. The, the go-to thing, I mean, even I'm a little whatever about Building 7, it seems pretty sketchy.
1: It, yeah, why'd it collapse, right? It looks pretty bad from the video that's out. I will I will agree that with that, it looks, it looks kinda weird. The, the, one of the things is, like, okay, Building 7 collapsed at about 5 o'clock, when the towers went down... Like 10-ish? 10-ish, one was 950-something, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So was, and like also uh, Tower Seven, Building Seven is like also the one with all of the like emergency operations shit in it. So,
1: it had, like, that's another the, angle. It had the SEC, it had the CIA in there, mm-hmm. it had the DSA in there. <laughs> I like,
0: New York City municipal offices with all of like the tax documents mm-hmm. for all sorts of
1: corporations and shit. Actually, mm-hmm. DSA was a couple blocks that way. Um, not affected in this disaster. Do
0: not, do not pin this on Barbara Ehrenreich. Okay,
1: <laughs> Building Seven did not get hit by a plane. It didn't have the massive structural trauma inflicted on it. You
2: did a 9-11, You did a no growth. Yeah,
0: you did a thermite. <laughs> you did a thermite. <laughs> but the thing is, you did a transfer <laughs> curter.
1: The thing is that this building burned for a very very long time, right? And it burned on many many floors simultaneously, right? If you look at like previous high-rise fires like 1 Meridian Plaza or something like that, it was like one or two floors going at once, right? You look at further structural fires um there's stuff like Grenfell, which is mostly on the exterior and then like there's actually been one or two there's been two steel frame skyscrapers that have collapsed from extensive fires since then, one in Iran, one in Sao Paulo, uh, which I forgot to put in here. Um, so I'll link those in the description. Um, what, we, what we said about fire ratings being kind of relative, I think, is relevant here. In this case, you know, Building 7 was rated throughout with fireproofing for two to three hours. 2 hours on the floor uh joists, 3 hours on the main structural columns and it burned for 7 hours, right? Mm-hmm. Also with so it exceeded the expectations. Yes. And and you know, mostly with your gypsum-based spray-on fireproofing, right? And This building was built in 1988, it probably had a lot fewer issues than 1 and 2 World Trade Center. The other thing is it has a very fucked up structural system. Um So, above the 7th floor, relatively conventionally framed uh, building, between floors 5 and 7, you had this system of transfer girders. This is because the building was built on top of a consolidated Edison substation, Mm -hmm. which was designed to be eventually overbuilt by a 25-story building. This is a forty-seven-story building, so they had to make some changes. You put
0: in the giant
1: overhang, I guess.
0: Just cantilever like millions of tons of steel and concrete and glass, just right over that just substation. Throw, just yeah. throw it over on its side; it's
4: fine. Which is
1: fine. That's it's fine. That's fine. As long as it doesn't catch on fire on every floor. Oh.
2: <laughs> yeah. So long as nine eleven doesn't happen, you're okay. That's but fine. then nine eleven happens. Most
0: buildings are great if there's no nine eleven. That's true. Yeah.
2: Famously, one of the weaknesses of buildings is when nine eleven happens.
1: Very few buildings have with have uh, had a nine eleven happen to them, and of those, I think only one has survived, which was the Verizon building right over here. Um,
2: oh, that was the Greek Orthodox Church. I think that made it through okay.
1: Oh no, that got flattened. Uh <laughs> oh. That was, uh, it was, uh, it, 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 they're rebuilding it now. They, that's the one building of the complex they haven't finished yet.
0: <laughs> uh, the people that say reject modernity, embrace
1: tradition. Yeah, not looking so good there on that Orthodox church. <laughs> <Should> it, uh. <laughs> anyway, the, the, the official story here, and what I think is correct look at column 79 here, right? Column 79 would be about right here in this diagram, right, so...
2: Approximate location of kink.
1: Yes. <laughs> and the way this worked was, this is also a kind of a tube frame building, like the World Trade Center, but the, the core was a little bit more substantial, but also, you can see there's a lot more columns on the exterior, um, but also it had these weird presses at the bottom, right? So, column 79 was the first to fail, that's why you saw the penthouse collapse in first in the video. And you can sort of see the penthouse collapse into the building, see a bunch of windows break, and then the whole building seems to collapse from well below where the camera angle is, and that's why people say, this is a controlled demolition, right? Um, the thing is, and we can't go too much into detail about this, because... Again, we're running out of time. Uh, once once this column goes, uh, on account of it's got no bracing, it started to buckle under extreme heat, it's basically in line with truss number one right here, right? So it starts to, you know, pull on that. If truss number one, which is, again, also under an extreme amount of heat, fails, that'll knock down a couple more columns. That's also going to bring the whole structural system down real quick just because you know at some level this building was extremely interconnected with the rest of the building
0: no I was just saying that like because you have that cantilever when that thing essentially ripped off the side of the building it brings all of the other truss all the other structural steel down with it yeah. yeah
2: and from the outside it just looks like it tears itself apart spontaneously right and so that's where you get the I guess controlled demolition and miniature thing
1: yeah, I mean, it looks like it comes down from the bottom because it did come down from the bottom, but it wasn't because of explosives. It was because of well, this is how they built it. <laughs> Holy! And
0: though, how is it ripping down from the bottom? Though, what happened to the bottom? Was that the weakness from the the
1: heat? I imagine it's weakness from the heat, and again, like you got these big trusses, you know, and if if they're being pulled over, and you got the columns above. The columns, which are again attached with whatever, to column seventy nine. I, I, if one of these columns comes down, and enough columns are attached to other columns with weird trusses, I imagine this whole damn thing comes down pretty quickly. With the, the load paths here are weird, you know. That's the main thing I would say. It's like the building in Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm.
0: This thing is weird, man. Yeah. I looked at blueprints. This thing is weird. It's a conduit for Gozar the Gozarian.
1: <laughs> the other thing was, like, if it was a controlled demolition, it was pretty fucking sloppy. Um, <laughs> and, of course, the, the main thing is, like, what if it didn't get hit by debris? What was the excuse for demolition? So, You know, this is... But Yeah, so, buildings... I, we don't have time to go into detail about this. Maybe we'll do... I mean, we're not even talking about the Pentagon, which is another whole kettle of fish. So obviously, there's more to do, but
2: world. Holographic kettle, holographic fish,
1: holographic (laughs) building seven, holographic world trade centers, holographic New York City, hologram, hologram. (laughs) Most living. (laughs)
2: Yeah, people don't know this, but George Bush, hologram,
1: hologram, (laughs) the whole time, hologram. Um, 9 11 at my school. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't tell us about it. It was fucking weird. It's just like, wow, uh, it's weird that a bunch of kids have doctor's appointments today. I believe it was Miss Esposito who came out during recess to say this, but nothing bad is happening. Um.
0: Famously something you want to hear when everyone's away.
1: My dad picked us up at school, he's like, bad news, guys. 9 9/11, 9-11 happened.
2: happened. <laughs> and of course nobody knew what nine eleven was yet. So yeah. you were just like,
1: what? oh uh, well that's a conspiracy right there.
2: <laughs> How do they know? How do no. they parents- <laughs> uh, you know what's what what's the aftermath of this? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're that's living in it. Yeah, like, this this is what happened. History happened. Uh Osama bin Laden's goal with the attacks was push America into massive overreaction that Makes it explicitly inimical to Muslims, destroys its economy, uh, destabilizes it to the point of imperial collapse. Uh I yeah, he, all of that happened and then There's he 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 won, retired. I don't feel a lot better about that just because he gets killed eventually, like in his retirement home.
1: Uh, uh I was about to say, uh, you, you figure, you know, I'm done with the job, you know. I you, you, why do you even bother killing him at that point? But <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: And I mean, you see here some of the um, the slogans that like uh, various troops have written on have written on bombs that were then dropped in Afghanistan and Iraq. And
0: uh, Krugman told me that there was no uh, anti-Muslim sentiment after that. That's
2: that's right. Um, Yeah, no, famously not. Americans
3: on the whole reacted very well. Um, I thought those NYPD and NYFD patches were painted on and i was gonna say that is an incredible attention to detail though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's my local firehouse there on one of those patches how do you like huh. that engine 277 lat 112 cool uh parenthetically my grandfather was a firefighter at that time i mean he was like a he's like an older guy he was like the chaplain or whatever and he went down right after the the towers collapsed and all of his guys were there And he saw all the dust everywhere and they told him to set up like a center, like a triage down there. And he said, go fuck yourself. And he's like, I'm going above 42nd Street. So he took his entire shit and he sent it up to Midtown because he knew, like, if you're rational, you knew that that dust was not good for you. It was that combination of asbestos and gypsum and, of course, fucking concrete. Like, nobody needs psiliosis in their lungs. Mm -hmm. Even Giuliani and all of them knew that that was bad. Uh but uh, obviously a lot of people they knew
2: and they, with- they tried to screw all of those guys out of like any compensation
1: for it they for did. years. Yeah, they're um, still doing it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Disaster. And I mean uh, two thousand nine hundred and seventy-seven people die, uh total global war on terror deaths conservatively like well over half a million, still going up, like every day, like today. Um there's not like america was doing torture and it was doing assassinations before but like after 9/11 there stopped being any pretense that like uh that was something that america was like above um i you don't need me to tell you that that created a massive expansion in the exact same salafist jihadist ideology that produced 9-11 in the first place that then ne- like necessitated uh, more military intervention and begets ISIS and Al-Shabaab and Al-Qaeda and wherever. Um, and I mean, I, I, I did some maths and it, fewer people would have died if the US response had been to do nothing. And fewer people would have died if the US response had been to load up a couple of passenger airplanes with Marines, fly them into the two tallest buildings in Kabul, and then do the same thing every day for six months. It, it doesn't, like, those those numbers don't really... It, it's difficult to to comprehend exactly how much destruction was wrought as a consequence of 9-11, um, and the sort of... uh I guess the, the the political consequences of making war on Afghanistan and Iraq and the in the aftermath of it, and yeah, no, bl- classic blowback. Don't don't fund these yes. psychos. Yes, <sighs> and and they still do it. They still do it every time. There's someone in the US or the UK who is like, no, okay, I've I've got this this I one practice. jihadist guy, but like, I'm pretty sure I can control him. Um, and you know, enemy of my enemy, right? And so you know, and eventually this happens again. And the same thing happened with the the Manchester Arena bombing, where Mi5 walked a guy into and out of Libya to go fight Gaddafi, and then he comes back and he blows himself up. It, it I, you know,
0: it's just depraved, man. It's far be it for me to plug uh, other random podcasts on here, but Blowback Pod, which came out mm-hmm. like four or five months ago, is tremendous in in. Uh... Not just the timeline, but understanding what happened after 9-11, understanding what was happening in Iraq and how Iraq became the sort of fulcrum, became like the target for the United States. And of course, what the consequences are since
2: then. Yeah, it's, it's so wild how much like how much of that's just gone in the memory hole. Like, yep. How how people were thinking, how people were acting after nine eleven, and now you can have Paul Krugman, uh, Nobel laureate in economics, just writes on Twitter. On the whole, Americans didn't like have this upswell of anti-Muslim or anti-Arab sentiment after nine it, eleven.
0: It's not just the government officials because they should all be at least in the Hague, if not worse. It's not is it's not the commanders that went over there and did the Highway of Death and all that shit. The fucking the uh, the media. The people, our media, as we look, on, we look on Twitter or we watch TV news or we read the newspaper, whatever it is, these motherfuckers who are directly culpable in helping to bring us into this war have suffered zero fucking yeah. consequences. And Worse like, than that, they're still out there and they're still fucking peddling the same lies and they've, there's no no consequences whatsoever. Like also, to
2: do, to do a bit of a callback, like uh, – when I when I make the joke about visualizing 911 the reason you can do that is how many times have you seen that footage and where yeah. have you seen it right uh it was the only thing that was running on every TV channel for weeks afterwards no. and a- every time that there was some new atrocity every time uh, you know you found out about uh, waterboarding or Abu Ghraib or Guantanamo Bay that you, you know you would 9 11 but run 9/11. that 911 yeah. footage back.
0: And the lead up to that war, and trust me, I was a fully grown adult because I'm old as shit at that time. Uh, the way that the media and the Bush administration and the Democrats, too, led us into that fucking disaster, that human disaster, half a million, one million fucking Iraqis dead and counting, was a fucking travesty of what this country is supposed to mean, what truth is supposed to mean, what governance is supposed to mean. I watched it happen in real time. And it was fucking disgusting. These motherfuckers... Just led us by the nose into a fucking massacre, and I mean, in the, in that
2: sense, proved Osama bin Laden's theory about America and how America would react to an act of terror. Correct. Um, mm. Not
1: great. Not
4: great. Yep. Not great.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? Can you do? Uh, it's history, man. It's We're just living it. Yep. <laughs> Well, on that note, I was about to say on that bombshell, since we have several, uh, <laughs>
4: several on screen right on here... On holographic
1: <laughs> bombshell. Yeah. No, th- these are these also holograms. We have a segment on this podcast called Safety Third.
4: Oh,
2: yeah. I gotta do the drop. Fuck, where's my Safety <laughs> Third drop? Uh...
0: Uh... Shake hands. Oh, my God. All right. This excites me as a, as a guest, but also a listener of, uh,
1: well, there's your problem pod. All right. So we have one from, well, he says his name. So, hello, well, there's your problem podcast people. My name is Mike, and I used to work as a mechanic at various bowling uh, alleys uh, for seven years. I have lots of stories of safety issues, but I think I will tell you all my favorite time from our when our safety standards broke down.
2: Yeah, this time on nine eleven, when a guy came in and bowled a perfect game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Prior to my employment at the company, OSHA had come through and forced rigorous lockout/tagout safety standards on the company as a result of a couple of mechanic deaths at other locations. Ooh, Jesus, uh, Simply put, what a hell of a. <laughs>
2: You, know, you just get caught, you, you, your arm like, um, comes back up through the ball return.
1: These things look like those, like, um, uh, Victorian child-murdering oh. textile mill things. <laughs> like the
0: st- oh. satanic mills of uh, Victorian England. Mm.
2: Yeah. O- OSHA came through due to a couple of mechanic deaths caused by inserting their heads into the Shino Bolo. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: Simply put, the lockout-tagout standards we used meant that a special Uh, L-O-T-O. Lotto. uh, power switch was installed on every pin-setting machine. We were forbidden from working on, climbing on, or even touching the machines, unless the lockout-tagout switch was padlocked in the off position to cut off power to the pin-setter. This was considered necessary because the particular model of pin-setting machines I worked on were designed during the 40s and 50s. Hmm. Uh, Released in 55... And built with various modifications until 1988, right? Awesome. Also reminds me of
2: my favorite lockout tagout actual tag, which is you, you, sometimes you attach them to the padlock. And one of them was it had a blank field for if energized, blank will happen, and it was explosion will result, killing all within fifty foot radius.
0: Cool. <laughs> Great. At least they were honest.
1: Yeah. yeah. As a result, these machines were almost entirely mechanical and have few electrical components. The entire machine is run by a single one horsepower motor through a <laughs> gearbox and a series of cams, levers, and belts. Oof, Mo- that sounds like a fucking death trap. Holy shit. Most of the machine is built with steel and there are no sensors of any kind monitoring it. In other mm-hmm. words, if a person were to be inside the wrong part of the pin setter when it was running, it would not stop and would just crush them and keep running. Yep.
2: Get your pins up.
1: Incredible what one horse can do. Form <laughs> a human
2: being into perfect pin
1: shapes. <laughs> Never look at a horse the same way. <laughs> One particular morning, I came in to find that one of our 32-pin-setting machines was down unexpectedly. The mechanic from the previous night left a note saying that it had blacked out, and he ran out of time to fix it before he had to leave for the night. Now, a blackout is the most dangerous kind of state these machines can be in for a mechanic. 98% of the time, a blackout is caused by the jam switches. Each pin setter has two jam switches that cut power to the machine if they are opened by certain parts of the pin setter, getting jammed in place, such as when a bowling pin gets stuck between them, right? This is to stop the machine from destroying itself trying to continue running, which it absolutely would if it was not shut down immediately. What makes this dangerous is that it requires a mechanic to climb into the machine. To remove oh. the stuck pin, which then closes the jam switches and immediately restores power to everything. Oh uh, no. Now, lockout tagout completely cuts power to the whole system, allowing this work to be done safely. I'm sensing a however. <laughs> <laughs> however. It turned out this machine had not lost power due to a jammed bowling pin. This was one of those 2% of the times it was something electrical at fault. Now, on top of each pin setter was an electrical control box, with all the machine's electronics inside, as well as two simple glass fuses. These take zero time at all to check, so I decided to start troubleshooting there first. However, I remembered an incident from a previous bowling alley I had worked at that did not have lockout tag out. Another mechanic on the machine next to me removed the smaller of the two fuses and got a small electrical shot, shock, not shot, uh, causing him to drop the fuse deep into the machine and we did not have a spare. It took us until 3am to find it and all that could have been avoided all of that could have been avoided had he simply unplugged the main cow- main power cable from the electrical box first, right? Not, not
0: this particular type of job, but I remember being like uh, a part-time shitty worker when I was a teenager. And stuff like that would happen all the time. You'd be like there till like 2 a.m. on a school night, like trying to figure out some dumbass fucking uh, <laughs> problem to
1: fix. Ugh. So, I already had lockout-tagout in place, so there was no possibility of getting shocked by the fuse, but I decided to add an extra layer of safety by unplugging the main power cable as well. Now, the cable hangs from the ceiling above each pin setter, so I unplugged it and let it hang nearby while I checked the fuse. The fuse was still good, so I put it back and grabbed the power plug, to plug back in as well. The plug arc flashed in my hand. Nope. In my peripheral vision, I saw what appeared to be a softball-sized ball of fire where my hand was when this happened. hate when that happens. (laughs) Instinctively, I jumped off the seven-foot-tall pin setter and ran, until I regained my senses a few seconds later and looked for injuries or a potential fire. There was no fire, and I had not received any burns or even a shock. By sheer coincidence, I had grabbed the large cylindrical plastic plug around the side, and the arc flash had come out the top of the plug where the cable enters, leaving me unscathed. But why... Was there any power at all when lockout-tagout was applied correctly? Well, it turns out the company installed the lockout-tagout switches themselves and connected them to a small box directly on top of the pin setter's control box. The main power cable plugs into this other box from above. Thus, thus lockout-tagout only isolates the circuit box below that point and the main power cable always remains live, unless a circuit breaker is shut off in another part of the building. Oh, fuck! That blows. This was not known to me, or anyone else in the company, it seemed. It it wasn't on the (laughs) (laughs) as-built. We were all trained that lockout-tagout removes all electrical power, all of the time. When I told my supervisor about this, not only did he not believe me when I told him what happened, he accused me of violating lockout-tagout. Years later, at a company training session, I was a a part of a group being trained by one of the highest technicians in the company. This was the guy who wrote the lockout-tagout standards for the company alongside OSHA. When I told him about this incident, he refused to believe it was possible. Even though other mechanics in the training session backed me up with their own experiences. (sighs) So, that is the story of how this company, even with OSHA-mandated safety regulations, still manages to leave my safety... Up to personal responsibility. Uh, Always, always,
2: always. Only hold the plastic part, and um, uh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't work at a job. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes, good start right there. It's like when you get into the union, they give you like the insurance package, and you find out you get like two hundred dollars for a finger. $800 $800 for a hand, like $3,000 for an arm.
4: What I, would,
2: what I would recommend is simply not being employed anywhere at any time. The safest way to avoid on-the-job accidents is to never be on the job. To abolish
0: work. That's right. Yes. And rebar. Yes. And rebar.
1: Anti-rebar action. <laughs> All right. So we made it that was an episode Two <sighs> episodes probably. that that took some time Christ, I, they hate
2: it when we split them but we may not have any choice
1: i might Who cares? i whatever we'll, we'll, we'll I, I, care. I, I, I don't would.
2: want the hogs
0: to like be yeah, the let's fair
1: we'll burn that bridge when we get to it anyone got any commercials before we go
0: mm. i can do a short plug i guess uh, yeah go for it yeah Yeah, everybody, uh, you can follow me, Sean KB at as underscore a underscore worker at twitter.com. And of course, check out, uh, my podcast, which is called the Antifada. I've got some really good history episodes coming up with our friend, Matt, really good stuff. So, uh, yeah, give us a listen and I hope you like it.
1: Oh yeah. Yes. Listen to the Antifada. um, I'd say uh so
2: you can't tell people to vote for Jessica Rain anymore but oh, she did yeah, her best
1: Oh yeah cuz we got owned. Yeah. Get Sorry Jess. Real owned. Um well, you know, sometimes that Between that
2: and Grenfell where we told people to vote Labour, I'm starting to think that our endorsement is a curse.
0: <laughs> like a reverse 9/11 but for voting. <laughs>
2: So no, yeah, that's vote just for a Donald Trump. Uh, keep America great. Yes, um,
1: exactly. Uh, four more years. Election, yeah.
3: Forward, forward election interference.
1: <laughs> I I am the Russian elect, in, election interference. Um,
2: so you're the Polish election interference.
1: Well, it's basically the same thing.
2: Yeah, it's got a screen door on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> never forget, everybody.
1: I don't remember what we were talking about.
0: I don't. Something about holograms. <laughs> it's been so. a long time, man. There's been a
1: lot of That's, podcasting. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. Um. What do we do now?
4: All right. Good night, everybody. Good, good night, night, everyone. Good night, good yep. Podding with you guys, that was fun.